Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by Bluefish Design in Tempe, Arizona. Bluefish Design is a modern, full-service ad agency that could take your company to the next level. If you're a new company starting out, you need logos, you need a website, look them up. If you're a company that wants to rebrand, give them a call, they'll help you out. Look them up online, www.bluefish.com, that's B-L-U-F-I-S-H.com. And now for today's episode, all about champagne. This is our 10th episode, so we got a special guest on today. He's going to teach us how to pronounce all the major houses of champagne, because obviously I've been doing it wrong my whole life, and he's going to drop a bunch of knowledge on us. So hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. I would, that would be fun, like if you had like a mic that just dropped down from the roof, like an old boxing Oh my lifestyle. God, how awesome would that be? Well, all like, you need is a little hook up there, like you're hanging a light, and then you, because look at this, this is all wires. Yeah. Imagine just like pushing a button and the, the mic just comes down in front of everybody. You just grab it. We just grab it talking. and hold it like it's old school, <laughs> old yeah. school mics. You have to ring a bell to make <laughs> that sure that the awesome. podcast. All right, yeah. let's start the podcast. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And then it ends that way. Dude, those old bells they have in the old boxing matches are worth a lot of money. What? Yeah, I Isn't saw it's just like an old school bell. Of course, you yeah. know, sometimes you're sitting around, you're watching Antiques Roadshow <laughs> and they're auctioning off random shit. Dude, and Antiques Roadshow has the weirdest stuff on it that people find for money. Or the modern day one. It's the the, the Pawn Stars. Yeah. I think he bought a, a ring bell one time during Pawn Stars. How much can it be? $200? Imagine if it was the ring bell that was used during like Lennox Lewis, or not Lennox Lewis, but like... The Tyson uh, fight? Muhammad Ali oh. versus Joe Frazier yeah. in, in some Mormon major fight. fight. Yeah. Or even, who cares? If it was the Tyson McNeely fight. I mean, it could be anything. It is How funny. How much was it? <laughs> it I'm went for curious. quite a bit, yeah. I mean, it was I think it was up in the thousands. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Really? But you have to be able to prove right, that. Which is difficult. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the weirdest things is when you find like old stuff, how much more like how much money they could be worth. Like we had old steins, like the old German ones where you would hit it and the little lid would flap up. Um, and then like those things are worth, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, shoot, like what today, the champagnes that we're drinking, one of the ones I got was in a crazy collection. You know, like you just kind of find gems in a whole bunch of stuff. You want to go ahead and pour those too? So yeah. I was thinking, what order should we actually go through these? So um, that's the old one let, from the let, collection. Let's go with the f- let's old go one first. Left to right. Okay, we'll do left to right. Old one first, and the new one, then the vintage. Excellent. So today on our podcast, we have James. How are we doing, James? I'm doing great, thank you. So James has been uh, kind enough to uh, bring on some champagne for us. Uh, we've been talking about it for the last, like, what, like two, three podcasts about, uh, you know, celebrations, uh, victory parties when your Giants won back in the day, which was, you know, what felt like a century ago. And then just, you know, drinking in general. Are you so pouring, now we're actually doing it. Are you pouring the 08 first? I'm going to pour the, yeah, because we're going from the right. So yeah. I'm going to pour the 08 first. Oh, got it. Are you, okay. There you go. And then uh, from your side... So, James, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I'm a portfolio specialist. Uh, first of all, my name is James Chow. Do you like walks on the beach? Yes, long walks on the beach, <laughs> candlelit dinners. Nice. Ooh, excellent. Uh, yeah. um, I'm a portfolio specialist for a strategic group, and we represent the Moat Hennessy portfolio. So, And I used to work for Breakthrough Beverage as a sales rep. Awesome. Before that. So we are drinking... I'm gonna, and how do, how's the right way to say this? So I always say it, Vuv Clicquot. Is that the right way to say this? Uh, actually, it's above Clicquot. Like, uh, we, we like to, in our trainings, we like to say, Vuv, like love. It means widow. Oh, that's good to know. 
Okay. I always feel bad saying things the wrong way, especially me. We have a running joke on our podcast is that I can't pronounce anything right. So Damon usually hands me a list of French Village this, French Village that, and I absolutely butcher it. So I have been in the wine business for, I don't know, 18 years. I've never heard it called Vuv, ever. Not once. Never. And I've worked for some great restaurants. I've worked in the distribution business. I've never heard anybody pronounce it correctly. I think it's more recently that we've been trying to obviously push the right way uh, to, to say it. Uh, especially with Moet too. A lot of people would say Moet, but it's really Moet. So I've always said Moet, always. I always said Moet growing up too until I got into the industry. Well, yeah. well the Saturday Night Live skit was Moet Shambam. Yeah, yeah, But they yeah. did say Moet instead of Moet. Um, but yeah, obviously did it to make, to make fun, and it was hilarious. Now, yeah. <laughs> I want, so here's actually, <laughs> since I just thought of it, that was great marketing for Moet. I mean, the amount of people that have talked about it, shared it. Oh, yeah. Press is press. In my, I mean, that was the whole Howard Stern. I mean, good, oh, good press. No, but good oh. press, bad press, it's all great press. Right. Like, yeah. sometimes bad press is almost even better. And when Saturday Night Live is making fun of you or yeah. having fun with your brand, that gives you even more legitimacy nationally or globally. That's true. There's a, there's a lot of views, definitely, on YouTube as well as just... Uh, on their website in general. Have you ever talked about what the company actually thought of it? No. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think my coworkers, we just, you know, shared the link with amongst each other. Yeah. Like, of course. Yeah. That, that definitely got shared a bunch during that time. Uh, okay. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people as bartender go, have you seen this? You got to see this episode. I'm like, I literally watched it and now I've seen it 12 more times since that Saturday yeah. night, which was one day ago. <laughs> hey, can you imagine all the people that you sent that link to? That's a good point. I definitely yeah. sent that to a few people. Like <laughs> you got to see this to everybody that had not. But I've had a ton of friends that aren't huge champagne drinkers that I've shared that with. And of course now in their brain, they know Moet or Moet. Uh, yeah. Moet. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. Cause now, Every time people that we do say go, oh, Moet Shandon, and then you hear like in the background, Moet Shambom, is it a surprise or a celebration? Yeah. Well, like, oh, they saw that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think it was great press that they never had to pay for. I mean, you think right. about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Claude Moet was actually Dutch. That's why. Oh. Yeah. All right. So, so another new thing I did not know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so it's not Moet. I mean, if it was French, yeah, then it would be. Moe. Claude Moe. <laughs> I, we were talking about this earlier, how people, I think it was like literally our last podcast, people associate words um, and certain names yeah. and they add an accent to it, even though it's not there. In this case, Moe, even though it's Moe. Or in our case, Vuv, but it's Vuv. That just then, shocks me, the whole Vuv thing. Like, this has got my mind blown, though. As soon as you told me that when I walked in, my entire life just changed now. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, everything I, know, I knew is rubbish. <laughs> um, it's a total change. It's a high percentage of people that say "vuv." A lot of people. Say I was that. gonna say. I imagine when you're doing like tastings, whether it's at a, whether it's for a restaurant group or you're promoting your wine, everybody's always coming. Oh, I love Moe and Vuv Clico. No, that, that, that happens. Or all Dom the time. Perignon. <laughs> that I haven't heard yet. You haven't heard that? I heard it once in my life, and I still don't know if it was a joke or not. But I'm pretty convinced it, the guy was dead serious oh, at it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So this is crazy, man. All right. So we have all three. Uh, of the champagnes poured out right now. And from going from left to right, uh, it, this so this one Vuv that I had purchased, the guy claimed he bought it in 1998. Whether it's true or not, I'm pretty sure because most of the other ones that we've been using for it so far have been on par with being relatively old and also well-cellared. And this one um, that this older one is obviously has a different label style. Uh, it's got little bubbles going on with it. And then the middle one, 
the uh, the the what what do you call this non vintage or like what is, what is this one versus obviously your vintage one? Oh, it's just yeah, you're right. It's the Buff Clico, a non vintage yellow yeah. label. Bird. It's going crazy bubbling wise. Yeah, like it is very very lively. <laughs> yeah, fresh. This is very fresh. And then we move on to the 2008. And it's got it has more bubbles than our older one, but not as much as the middle one. Also, the coloring on these is really awesome. I'm pretty sure I can tell which one came out of the collector's collection, the old vintage. Just it smells old. <laughs> I'm very surprised at the color, to be honest. I Just, thought it would be a lot, a little bit darker. Did you? Yeah. Now, is that does this possibly mean that it was stored really well? The fact that the colors held up so well? I would say so. This guy definitely stored the wine really well. I was to say I don't see any brown edges to it or anything. It looks. It's just got a little more golden color to it. That's yeah. it. You know, there's... Yeah, that's what I... Yeah. I mean, think about at this point, let's say for one second he did buy this in 98. When would that wine have been made? So the champagne would have been three years old, two years old. How do they do their... How does Vu do their... Uh, Vav do their... Well, the two, age, two gonna, it's gonna I'm going to do minutes. it all episode two. It's going to take a minute. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, they definitely... The, the agent on the lease for three years minimum. Okay. For champagne, it's 15 months by law, but... At Clicquot's three years. Wow, that's a really long time. And then how do they decide, I'm assuming they've got their master blender, but do they use any specific grapes for it? Is it just Chardonnay based, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier? Uh, They use all three of the champagne grapes. Okay. Uh, Pinot Noir, uh, Meunier, as well as Chardonnay. Uh, With Love Clicquot, their their house style, well, they're known to be a Pinot Noir Noir house. Okay. So they use a lot. The, The percentages are a little bit higher with Pinot Noir. With the... The yellow label, it's about 50, 55% Pinot Noir, um, about 30, 33% um, Chardonnay, and about 20, 20-ish um, Chardonnay. Okay. Or, yeah. Pit, what's, what's I think you said Chardonnay twice. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, Monier, That's a lot of Chardonnay. Monier at the end. <laughs> Extra Chardonnay on top Chardonnay. That's right, yeah. Monier at the end. Yeah, we recently had a all Pinot Meunier uh, champagne. It was really fresh and it was definitely more fruity than most other champagnes i think i've ever had yeah you had a lot more of the the, the fleshiness with uh, the meunier um how many how many in total do they make now uh, of yeah well they have their uh non-vintage brut and then rosé then they have their vintage which is what we have in front of us uh they have their la grande dame, la grande dame uh, they yeah. also make a demi sec and this is just for the u.s or in Arizona, this is what we have to offer. And then also the, the Vav Clicquot Rich, which is made to make cocktails with. It's a little <laughs> bit higher dosage, and you put ice in it. And I haven't put, heard of this one. You haven't? No, actually. Uh, we just recently uh, got the Vav Clicquot Rich, and they use the, a higher dosage, which when you put ice in there, it just balances it out. Really? Yeah, you can oh, add really cool. uh, green peppers, uh, cucumbers, or pineapples, all the ingredients is listed behind the bottle. I was say, that sounds very fresh for Arizona. You have all like the fresh fruits and the, the peppers for sure. Well, Definitely. No, yeah, we had it at a couple pool parties um, and they were a huge hit. Dude, Definitely. I love looking at your Instagram, man. Those parties look so fun. <laughs> I got to say, it, the life of a wine rep has got to be accentuated when you're in the champagne business. As a wine rep, I always had a ton of fun, especially as a brand ambassador, doing these events, these winers. I did a Lemoncello launch party. It was amazing. It was a limoncello on tap. What? Yeah, it was cold limoncello on tap. My brand. We got a lemon tap handle. That party was amazing. It's nothing compared to what champagne parties no, are probably like. I'm sure you had amazing dinners. 
the yes, dinners the Italians you like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm very sure that your dinners is just yes. out of this world. You have no idea. I literally just lost like 30 pounds now that I'm working now that I don't work for an Italian family. <laughs> the couple of years you work for an Italian family, you just finally shut off. <laughs> oh my yes. They all they do is feed you when you're like in the Italian business. You yeah. Know? I mean the French uh, business probably isn't quite the no, same. With with wine, wine and food. Perfect, perfect pairing. It's perfect staple. It's, yeah, it was champagne as well. Champagne is a very good wine for food. A lot of people think it's just for um, you know, the beginning of dinner. That's, yeah, what, that's, that's a huge that. misconception right now with bubbles is that, yeah, you have to have them before dinner. You can't have them with. Right. Yeah. We had a dinner at Atlas Bistro <laughs> where the, the whole dinner was supposed to be a Peter Michael Le Pavot dinner where we had multiple vintages of Peter Michael. And we started opening champagnes and we got through the first course. We're still opening champagnes. Got through the second course. We're still opening we're champagnes. Still champagnes. Third course. We're still <laughs> we're like, um, I thought this was supposed to be a Peter and Michael dinner. We drank champagne all night. I mean, we had five bottles before yeah, and it paired the second course. With everything, it did. It was unbelievable. Like we tried some of the other wines with the second course. But like no, and literally, Andre's like, "Try open another bottle of champagne." Yes, yes, yeah, please. absolutely. <laughs> I've never had a bad time just opening champagne the entire time. It just—I feel like it just naturally just cleanses your palate, dude. It's so refreshing. Yeah, like especially this. I really, really enjoy this. What do you call? This is the yellow label, is what yep, you call it. Yeah, so like the middle one, I'm loving it. It's so much fresher, obviously, than this older one, but it's still kind of holding. I'm putting that on the table nice. And then obviously the vintage I haven't tried yet. I'm kind of giving that one a second. I always know those are really, really good. <laughs> so does Vuv do Vuv? Okay. I, I feel like I have to put a dollar in a jar every time I say this to like break the habit now. You'll be able to buy the, what's the highest end one? The, the Grand Dame. The Grand yeah. Dame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so do they do any still wines or is it all sparkling? They do not have any still wines. Champagne, Damien. No, I know. I'm just curious. I got to ask. These are questions that just come up. They do make a red still for their rosé. So they do have a red still wine. What's the oldest champagne you've ever drank? Um, I guess that's kind of tough because sometimes like the year on the label isn't always the year it was grown too. Or was that? A 1966 Dom. Okay. Dom Perignon. Wow. How'd that hold up? Very well. Yeah. I was really surprised. And it wasn't stored at the, the best conditions. So I was telling him last time uh, in one of our parts, we were talking about documentaries we had watched, and I watched one called The Year in Burgundy. And um, I'm sorry, not The Year in Burgundy, it was The Year in Champagne. And they followed a small producer, and then they followed, if I'm not mistaken, the guy from Runar. Oh, and he went down week. into his, yeah, into the caves, which are stunningly beautiful. And he goes, yes, we made this uh, champagne from, I swear he might have said the 50s or 60s. And he goes, there's only four of these left. All right. We're going to open one right now. Oh, nice. And he just opens this thing up and he pours it. And, you know, it's got just like a couple bubbles, but his the smile he made on his face was just pure excitement. I'm just like, dude, there's only a couple of those left and you get to drink that. Come on. I'm sure it's, it held up really well. So Probably. That's yeah. In the case of the face. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> like this. This is the, the old bottle. I mean, uh, recommend, we recommend that you open the bottle and drink it within the first three years. Of the yellow, the non-vintage yellow. Why is that? Because you guys just want to sell more of it, no, <laughs> or the house style? All right. Yeah. So we don't want to lose that, that the power, and then the power of the wine, the finesse, um, you know, that goes away in time as it gets older. So the freshness as well. Yeah, I was gonna say for the acidity on it, it's still there, but there's definitely that 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 taste that I'm getting that's not as fresh as obviously the brand new one. But the uh, the effervescence that's coming off of the the new one that we have is. It's there. I mean, I could put it a good couple inches from my face, and I can take a good I mean, sniff of this. You know, one of the one of the questions I get more often than anything else is, how long should I age this wine? 
literally, I do tastings, I do events, I do seminars. People always say, how long should I age this? I'm like, uh, if you like it now, drink it yeah. now. Like, it's why? already, all the work's been done for you. They aged it in the cellars on the lease for a minimum of three years. And, you know, we recommend another three years to be good. And champagne's a little different than I think American producers, because American producers are trying to push stuff out fast. They, right. they got to pay a bill. They, new vintage, got to get it out, got to get it out. Where champagne, they're like, you know what? Just wait. Yeah, no, we'll, exactly. we'll give it to you when it's ready. You're doing the work. I'm not for pulling you. the cookies yeah. out of the oven too early. So, what's the highest vintage that they have now of, of that's out? Is it 2008? Uh, it's 09, I believe. We have the 2008 right now, but, but the vintage champagne that you can sell those for quite a while. Yeah, I feel like those are the ones that you definitely want to sit on for a long period of time and pull those out and be real geeky about something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely love to be somewhere in my 60s or 70s and have a bottle of something like that and be like, guys, I bought this back in, you know. But now, 2019, even though it's a 2008 champagne, it's 11-year hold. That's really awesome. Have you ever done like an all-champagne wine dinner? Yes. That was just like every course? Amazing. You need to let me know next time we do this. <laughs> or like, we could do a combination thing, because I would love to do an all-champagne dinner. Dude, we're doing dinner. an all-champagne course right now. <laughs> I mean, I guess we did one a couple weeks ago at Atlas, but... Yeah, <laughs> we could. <laughs> How awesome, because I've loved doing wine dinners as a salesmen out there and, right. and, and going through the history of the winery and talking about, hey, this is great with this course, this course, but an all-champagne dinner. I've never done something like that. That would be so much fun. Rosé goes with everything. Yes. You know, that's one thing I think I've maybe only had two champagnes of is a rosé. I think I just have never really had a chance to have like a real rosé. I've had one at your house. I'm pointing at James, by the way, not that people could see me pointing at him. So, and then one more randomly at the other night. I swear to God, those are the only two times I think I've had a rosé champagne. And you're a Renart as well. Is it Renart, Renart, Renault, Renault? Renault. You've Renard. completely ruined my life when it comes to champagnes. I'm going to be, be second-guessing all my <laughs> like, thoughts on this. Uh, all right, yeah, so, uh, Renart. Yeah. It, it's my favorite rosé champagne that there is. It's That's my go-to. It makes me weak. I'm, it's like a, like a crackhead that has been off it for like three months and all of a sudden they just watch New Jack City and they're like, now I got him Jones again. I walk into a wine shop, I see a bottle of Renart Rosé and I start to like shake. I'm like, I gotta buy it. <laughs> like, hey, can you chill this down a little bit? Yeah, done. I'll take yeah. it. Like, I just, I'm like, oh, I only got $100 in my bank account. It's 68. I can afford food after I buy this Dude, bottle. Dude, it's such an affordably good price too. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. Yeah. It literally is my favorite bottle of Rosé Champagne. The Blanc, the, the, their Blanc de Blanc is insane as well. Everyone loves their Blanc de Blanc. Um, I got a cool story, actually. So the movie Psalm had just come out. Okay. And it was in theaters. And I got a chance to go. I was at Santa Fe Wine and Chili Fest. They did a private screening with a number of master Psalms. We were teaching seminars out there. So it was Tim Geyser, the educational director. Joe Spellman, who works for Justin. Um, there was another master. Oh, uh, Emily Wines. From Kimpton Hotels, okay. one of the first female master psalms. Her last name's awesome. Yeah. yeah. She got in the right business, right? <laughs> Emily Wines. Um, shout out to Emily. You're awesome. Um, she's amazing. So we got a chance after all the seminars to go and watch a private screening of Psalm that was sponsored by Renart. And every other chair in the movie theater had a bottle of Renart jammed between the cushions in oh, the chair. Oh, wow. So we all sat down and we're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. This so movie just got a lot better. Yeah, so you heard the whole entire theater at once popping bottles. And we're just sitting there in the theater watching this movie, eating yeah. popcorn, drinking Renard. It was the Blanc de Blanc. And nice. it was one of the most memorable experiences of my entire life. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Actually, I think it was the only time I've ever actually drank champagne and like watching a movie. Yeah. So how long have you been with uh, Strategic Group? Uh, two years. I started 2016 on November. Have they had yeah. a chance to send you out and actually like check out all um, the wineries? When I first started the, the following year in May, they sent this to, um, to Cognac. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. But I did. I, I flew in earlier and and uh, did my own trip to Champagne with a couple coworkers. Nice. So that was fantastic. Sorry, I, I you, you had a thought about the cognac over there. No, I had a thought about this 08 that just made me very happy, Finally and I completely it. just had no idea what you said right it, there. It derailed me too <laughs> earlier when I tried it. I was I, I had a thought in my mind. I was like, I'm gonna keep drinking more of this. That the, was my thought. The sign of a good wine, all of a sudden, when you just have it, all of a sudden, it's the whole world just stops for a second for yeah. me, and that just happened right there. So what uh what champagne houses did you end up going to? Um we did go to Moet and what was that one? Uh, a couple smaller ones. Like a little grower ones or yeah. uh... we went to Moet. We went to just like click codes just to go to the gift shop. And <laughs> I, I in my mind I picture it being like a real modernized gift shop with bottles everywhere and like yeah. cool little gimmicky posters and that like a was, big yeah. marketing thing going on. I mean it's not there was a lot of definitely uh have older vintages there and the extra old extra brute which you can't get in Arizona. Uh, I believe it's in a couple markets. I was going to ask that. Is there, one, is there some of their champagne that just doesn't make it out here because of distance that, or because they just keep it in-house only? No, I, I believe it's probably because they don't have enough of it. Okay. And it's, it's probably reserved for New York and L.A. markets, yeah, whatever comes bigger, to the United yeah. States. San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, I did see the only, I think it's a, I think it's a Jeroboam, that 20 liter was the only time I've ever seen anybody try to pour one. And honestly, uh, this is like 50-50 whether this is right or not, but I'm pretty sure it was a, uh, a Vuv. And the, they had like, it was on the table. I'm surprised the whole table didn't collapse from the weight of this thing. Yeah, this it was a good four feet tall. Uh, and 15 liters. Yeah, that might be the this yeah. Jeroboam or the Nebuchadnezzar. No, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And this dude sat there. And, you know, they pulled the cage up and they all looked at each other like, how are we going to get the cork out of this thing? It looked like it was the size of a mini football. It's, and they sat it's like there. Big. It's like, dude, it was huge. It yeah. was like a, it was like a portobello mushroom in this thing. Yeah. And they're trying to wiggle this thing out for the longest time. And eventually some guy came over, literally sawed the thing off. And then they took this big cork, put it in and just you could hear it like he corked it and he uncorked it, degassed it. Basically, you could hear it come out of the cork and then eventually wiggled this thing out. Huh. And then everybody was happy. They're like, oh, my God, we got it open. And then everybody who had the, like the two guys filling this bottle looked at each other and went, crap, how are we going to pour this damn thing? They're not easy. I mean, you're, they use like a, a rocker that they put it on. Like people yeah. that open those. Oh, like, yeah. There was no mechanical instruments no, for this. No. This was two people. Yeah, this yes. was two people. Yeah. They both held the neck of this thing and slowly poured it out for everybody. One it should was, hold the neck and the other should hold the back. Yeah, man. It was so fun to watch somebody do that. And that was the only time I've ever seen a bottle that big. And the effort that went behind getting it out, I want to see what it was like to do that in the actual winery where they had to put that cork in, fill that bottle up. Oh, my God. I think it was ridiculous. And I have no idea what happened to that bottle. I'm pretty sure it got stolen at the end of the night because it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I love drinking good wines with, with wine people because you can communicate without actually talking. <laughs> no, look you, at the glass. Look at, look at the other person. He, he kind of looked at me and he gave this little nod and he kind of pointed to one and gave another nod. I'm like, I get it. Like, it's our own version of like sign language. <laughs> so, Damien, what are you thinking right now? We've got all three wines from us. You finally tried that last one. So did I, mean, I. I mean, what are your first, first thoughts on these? I, I'm really enjoying the older one. Um, there's a, there's a crazy complexity to it. Um, 
trying those two side by side is really fun. Like the current vintage versus a twenty year old vintage, and twenty ish. Twenty ish, yeah. Because we're not even sure Let, how old we're, it is. We're gonna we're just for the sake of the podcast saying it's twenty, even if it's not. It's definitely old. It says, uh, "Do you know who Soul Imports was, or do they just mean like Vov Clicquot were the only imports?" Because on the back of the bottle, it says Soul Imports to New York. It doesn't have uh, Moet Hennessy on it. Huh. It doesn't have the QPR. It doesn't have a code. It's a it's a definitely different label and style and everything. No, I don't. But um, I got that picture you sent me. I want to see if I can send it to the brand team and see what they can find out about yeah. it. Yeah, because I'd like to see that. Like I said, the guy said yeah. he bought it probably around ninety eight, which uh, from the rest of the collection seems about the appropriate time he would have bought it. Right. You, you know what? what I can't go- believe how well it held up. This is twenty years later. What goes on in New York City and some big cities? There's a lot of what we call gray market wines that happen where stuff finds its way into the country through a different importer that maybe this guy's brother released something to this guy and then it gets sold to this guy and it just happens. Now, sometimes the gray market wines are fake, but a lot of times gray market wines come in and they just bypass the importers. Now, this was 20 years ago, so you saw that a lot more 20, 30 years ago. You don't see that as much anymore because there's a lot more lawyers, especially a company probably like Moet, that's a lot bigger. You have you guys probably have a, a force that's tracking down people that are bringing the wines illegally and trying to like. I'm sure that yeah, I'm sure that happens, and they definitely have. I I've worked in the business of collector Italian wines, and gray markets in big cities were nuts because they'd be like they were legit wines. Right. It was oh, well I sold some to this guy in this country, and he sold it. Then he imported to the United States through his buddy over here, and uh, it, and it bypassed right a lot of loophole uh, a lot of. Um, yeah. Oops, Red we lost tape. a container yeah. off of a truck here. Yeah, we lost it, it, a container truck there. It, it, the Portuguese are good at that. The Italians are good at that, especially the Italians. I, we I talked about say, this with the Italians. Was good at that. My mom loves, my mom's favorite story is how when she got married to my dad, they had 12 cases of Dom Perignon because the restaurant was just like, oh, you guys want this? And they just backdoored it to them for their, for their wedding the entire time. Uh, yes, yeah, 12, <laughs> ca- yeah. <laughs> yeah, 12 cases back in the day of Dom when it was... Just still fantastic as what it is. Right. Which going back to what you were saying about like the gray market area, I've noticed one thing about your wines is they've got that QPR code. Uh, one of the other ones had numbers on the back of it. Is that, I'm assuming that's becoming more common, especially for you guys. They've got you could track the bottle from the day it left the winery to yeah. wherever it ends up. Well, and with the blend as well, like uh, like with the Krug, Krug uh, Grand Cuvée. Yeah, the Krug ID numbers and it tells you the the makeup, how many villages are that they source from. What are the different vintages that they blended into the, the, f- the final blend? Uh, and it's amazing. You, you can go online. Or they have an app as well. So, is this uh, now the app? Is that just a uh, like a Krug app, or is yeah, that like a? It's just a Krug app. That might be something that be a, like a computer tech guy to make one that's universal that all wineries can use that they can track wines through. That maybe it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I don't know, exactly. I, I, Having a, a company that somebody, because you guys are big, you guys have a, an infrastructure, but maybe some smaller winery doesn't have that infrastructure that can put together their own QR codes. Right. Maybe if there's a company out there that can do it and track it so you know where that bottle came from. Maybe you can know who owned it beforehand. So if you buy it, I buy a lot of auction wines. I got a lot of old wines in my back room. 
I don't know where they all came from. It'd be nice to be able to look up the QR code on it and be like, oh, this did come out of a collection of, you know, Sir Richard Wallace and blah, 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 blah. Or this did come out of the... Sir Richard Wallace. Yeah. Like a... Did you watch Braveheart the other night? <laughs> Is it on Netflix? <laughs> oh, man. I like how that was the name that popped out. It was a, yeah. Wasn't he Scottish, it was the, the first, last person It was the first rich-sounding name I could think oh, of. Oh, wow. I think that's a strikeout, dude. <laughs> So we're watch as, it. As, yeah. as great as we are at wine, we are quite terrible at history sometimes. <laughs> Name pronouncing, history, whatever. doesn't matter either way. So, yeah. so, so, so say like so. Like a Carfax report. Yes. We were talking about the actual oh, yeah. wine facts. Wine facts. Yeah, that was like literally episode one was showing oh, the wine facts. Nice. Yeah, we were talking about creating a wine facts for wines because I, like, I have a, some old like 70s and 80s Italian wines back there. Right. It'd be really nice to find out where they came from, who actually owned them. They're legit. Who imported it? I'm big on importers. I'm right. I, I push importers a lot because the average person does not know about wine. They know champagne. Right. You say grower champagne. They, I don't know. I try, they know California wines. Yes. They think Chardonnay, Cabernet. Chardonnay, Cabernet. So so I mean, making things approachable to the general public is kind of our goal and making it approachable to everybody. Something like like Vuv Clicquot, Vuv Clicquot. Well done. Were, <laughs> God, done. Working it in. Slowly. Working it in, trying. Yeah. If I bought this, say, on auction, it'd be kind of nice to be able to look up and find out where it was from, kind of find out the history of it, find out who had it beforehand. You guys, like something like the Vuv is non-vintage. Right. You can kind of guess where this vintage is from, maybe, based on the label changes. Right. The labels. I'll show the number on the back as well. Now is do they have a? I saw a number on the do, side. Do, do they have a disgorging date on these, or do they have like a? I think you can find out with that number. I'll have to send it up and see and see. Can an average have. person email the wine or email somebody and ever find out if they're just curious? I think so. I mean, I'm sure they can. Probably. Yeah. They probably know something from a distributor and knows something from the supplier. And so, for anybody who's listening right now, we're in Arizona, um, and obviously New York and LA are some huge market. How is the market for all these? champagnes here because honestly like if i go to any restaurant you obviously very specific set of champagnes uh i always see dom crystals on there big ones are a lot of like mom because you got the california guys but yeah. when i'm in there like if i go to a club in the local arizona scene it's always vov and dom are the big guys that i see for all the stuff that i've kind of noticed and dom obviously has a cool bottle because it's neon it's lit yeah. you can see people across the entire room with sparklers strewn around like what what is the market for champagne out here it's pretty good. Um, I would say, especially since it's so hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Exactly. It's refreshing. Uh, you can have it any time, any time of the day, any day. I feel like, I mean, a lot of people would say again, champagne before dinner or just for celebrations. I'm starting to like it a little more as an idea for dessert sometimes. <laughs> well, there's demisex as well as. Um, yeah, especially uh, for the sweet wine drinkers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I hate to say it, but you just let it go a little flat, and now you just have one of the greatest white burgundy flat or still wine in the world. Exactly. That, I mean, true. really, f flat yeah. champagne is just nothing but great burgundy. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just to be blunt, a little, little level above Chablis. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's it. I mean, this is having a you're having a great still Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, Chardonnay blend. Yeah. Which is so funny because you would never make that blend on any, on any other circumstance other than making it for a sparkling wine or champagne in this case. True. Especially in California, because most it seems that most 
sparkling wine isn't blended unless it's just maybe what I'm kind of more used to. Like I see most the champagnes that I see, at least the ones that I buy, which by the way, isn't many because I love champagne. I think just the best is champagne, but it's always strictly a Pinot Noir or just a Blanc de Blanc. So like obviously a Chardonnay. I have seen a couple cool, unique ones. Like, uh, like for instance, I made a Malvasia one year just for fun, but yeah, most of the time it's just Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> but but I think, so the average person, when it comes to champagne, is going to gravitate to three brands. Real champagne. Right. And uh, all three are probably your brands. Most likely. Well, yeah. I mean, I, cause depending we, on the occasion. Because we've talked about it on the show. I mean, I mean, unless, so you're not Dom. Uh, it's, or it's, you are Dom. It is. It's part of our. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, we were talking about what wine would bring to a party. If you was, you know, you got a big promotion and it was literally like Dom or Vuve, like Vuv. Yeah. That was the only Moet, two choices. Uh, also Moet. Moet's an amazing, amazing. Of course. Yes. Which is yes. White, yes. Which yes. White Star, right? No, that, it's, no, no, that's not. No, 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 no. The White Star is when I believe they had a, a different dosage level. And when the American palate changed and... That's when they switched over to the brute Okay, because I have this thing in my mind. <laughs> I feel like 1912 Titanic era, everybody's dancing around and like that ugly glass that they used to have. The what did you say? The, the coupe. coupe. <laughs> and they're all pouring Moet. Like It's like every old movie has like an old Moet ball and they're pouring it around. And I've seen a old, uh, you ever seen those really old posters? Like they're new now, you know, some right. like artists made it. But it's all of them holding a Moet bottle that's the size of a tank and they're spraying it on everything and whatnot. And it's always in my mind was like the old White Star for some reason. Because my grandparents used to love White Star. And then one day they just never had it anymore. That's Yeah, that's what the label was on the label. White Star. Yeah, that's so cool. (laughs) I imagine that's going to come back in a real geeky way somewhere in the future as like a special off-brand whatever. (laughs) Special release. Special release, White Star, yeah. John Coppins release. (laughs) Ooh, I'd like that. (laughs) But I mean, I don't think... I mean, Vub is on right now a powerhouse forward moving train like nothing's going to stop this train of champagne right now i don't think in the united states and this is my opinion coming from looking at the general public and the general public drinks a lot of this stuff yes you go to big retail in this state they have stacks of this stuff and they go through it big time you go to every major restaurant they have this you go to every Strip club, they have this. <laughs> They're probably your best accounts in the state, probably. Dom um, Perignon. They got to be pretty big, I mean, as far as volume. Well, not as much as the nightclubs as well as... That, actually, uh, n- now with the nightclubs the resorts, and bo- bo- resorts bottle service yeah. and... Yes, yeah. Las Vegas probably goes through literally container ships. The, the people trying to sell small production champagnes are pushing a rock up the hill. Well... Compared with, to what you guys have right with now. With being a big house, we have a few advantages. One of it is just uh, options. Um, the yellow label is probably the most difficult one to make because you have to make this champagne taste the same, the house style, year in and year out. So the yellow label alone, or each year, they make about 700 wines. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're, and they have to determine you know, which one of those wines to blend into blend into the, the yellow label. Um, they use about 50 to 60 crews in, in the yellow label. No shit. And they use about 35% reserved wines. And it's old. Um, six, nine years, six to nine years old. Uh, rare occasions. Not, I don't know, rare or not, but they do. They can go up to like 20 years old. They'll, wow. Yeah, I, they're for gold vintage just that. to make the yellow label. So when they make their wines, do they separate it 
obviously like in the cave, the, um, but like when they make it, is it all different tanks and then eventually it goes into all different barrels? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they blend it. Yeah. That's crazy. Different... Like in my mind, I'm picturing 500 different like styles and there's somebody sitting down there. Obviously, what, what is the guy called? Uh, the cave master, but like what's actually actual... Shefikov? Yeah. yeah. The guy sitting down there having the best day of his life, just constantly mixing and matching and putting all these different styles together. And it's weird that you would say... It's difficult. I think it's, it's really crazy. difficult because they're tasting these wines. They're very acidic in the beginning because of the aging potential. And could you imagine sitting, drinking all these acidic wines and saying, yeah, this would be good in eight years. I this bet Uber be does real well in champagne on blending weeks. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like looking at a whole bunch of paints in their cans saying, this is going to make a great piece of art on the wall. Yeah. Exactly. But the artist can look at the actual quality of the paint knowing that that's going to make a great painting, but the painting hasn't been painted yet. That is interesting that you would say that the yellow label is the one that's the hardest to do because you got to be the consistent, you know, consistently making the same profile. Now, is that an American thing? Like, we got to do this more for the American palette, or are they aiming Uh, just for a broad global? No, yeah, it's their house style. That's why why you can pick up a bottle, you know, in Phoenix, Arizona. It's going to taste the same as. You Which know, you get in like Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, in LA. And 10 years from now, the same thing. Yes, this is uh, Love Clico Yellow Label. Now, That's now, crazy. Now, they're not messing with it. Whereas in America, there's things that we do with, say, are still red wines. They're, they can add things in yeah. that make it taste consistent year in and year out. I mean, I'm not going to say Mega Purple is a thing, but I mean, hey, you can't put Mega Purple in above Clicquot, yeah. you know? <laughs> so so they have to be really good at what they do yeah. to make something of this quality year in and year out, where you're right, in five years, the, the housewife who's been buying it every single day, if it all of a sudden changes, she might stop buying it. Yeah, exactly. That is one thing I kind of, and I've I've had to deal with that a little on my mind. My, my winemaking side is when... Um, people constantly ask for the same thing over and over and over. They want the same thing year in, year out. And I always assumed it was mostly an American palette thing and how you had to do it. But then I now think about it globally, you definitely want the same thing year end and year out to come in. And yeah, if you're in China and if you're in LA, wherever, it doesn't matter that it tastes the same. So I'm looking at this like in like a really unique kind of a way that this guy's got to be down there constantly putting something together and year in and year out have the same place. So he's got to remember that, hey, three years ago, I used a little more Pinot Noir here. I used a little more Chardonnay here to kind of get that same profile. So to that extent, you said this sits on leaves for the entire time. Does it go into the same barrels? or Because they're obviously not new barrels, I'm assuming. Or do they go into barrels? Do they stay in stainless steel tanks? How do they like leave their champagne through fermentation or well through fermentation i'm assuming it's stainless steel tanks they still but then once they pull them out of there or do they leave them in the tanks leaves in the in the bottle yeah yeah no i i got that but do these go into barrels because i've seen a couple champagne houses that have put something into a barrel Um, and they pull it out later on obviously not new not new barrels at all no barrels however the 2008 is the first time where they added five percent uh barrel aged champagne in there. So that, I'm assuming like they use the Chardonnay in a barrel, like one one new barrel somewhere in the corner and they were like, that's going to be the one that goes, gets blended into all this. No, that, no, the, the, uh, they were thinking that, you know, um, a barrel aged wine might add a little bit more, a longer finish, more complexity, more body to uh, a champagne. And could you imagine, uh, this the first time they did it in 2008, like 10 years ago, that they had this idea and they had to wait 10 years just to see the the results. That's crazy. Yeah. So, you so you're tasting the, <laughs> the 2008. It does have like 5% uh, barrel age in there. 
oak. And this is huge barrels. It's not... It's, it's not uh Yeah, it's not like, a, yeah. So like the bariques that we use here in <laughs> yeah. America where you're like, oh my God, it tastes like a tree when it first comes yeah, out. Yeah, so yeah, the, the larger barrels definitely, you know, uh, less oak content. I love uh, that so to me because it's like a cool chemistry set. Like it's stuff that you just get to sit there and especially if you're the... I'm going to say cave master for this, <laughs> for those purposes to get to go down and try something new and then get to go back in like the history. It's almost like reading a history book. In this case, he goes, Oh man, I just want to know what it tasted like. A good example might be something, let's say you're making a vintage champagne. So, and you want it to be, you're having the same conditions today, 2019, there's hail, there's frost, you know, it's weird. They can go back in time and be like, oh, well, our 1971 blend had the same problems and they could go try and kind of get an idea of what they did on a blend or how the vineyards yeah. reacted to it. How has this year been, by the way? I mean, I, um, I guess I guess what is for like for from what I heard, your house has it been? This year's good. Yeah, good growing year. Yep. Uh, 2008 was it was ideal. It was one of the best uh, conditions. 09 is a little warmer, so anything that they age is probably take a, a shorter amount. A little of time. more approachable now. Yeah. But the 08 is amazing. So the 08's the one to buy and sit on, uh, break out geeky white, get yeah. a case of it, open it every three years for fun. If you get on the website or get a hold of a sheet that says you can sell it up to uh, 2030, so yeah, we were, we, and it'll we be talk. it'll be nice. I mean, I'm sure you can go over that, but it'd be very nice. Well, it. I mean, honestly, this you're one that's been said to only go two, three years is still pretty drinkable right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's more brioche on the nose and. Yeah, there's like Ooh, a, I like that term brioche. Yeah. yeah, there's like a nuttiness, a little like almost toasted. Like, it's like yes, toasted. I, I wanted to say croissant, but that's not what I was going with. Like yeah. it, it, there brioche was is bready, actually yeah. The, yeah. Yellow, the, the yellow label, um, the new one, uh, does have a there's brioche to there, but this is more prominent in the older one. I, I feel like, and it's still a good wine, which is crazy. I know, right? For being something that old. Because there's sometimes, you know, you can get a wine where, like, if you were to read a spectator or an enthusiast, they'd be like, "Hey, uh, drink this five to ten years." And, you know, people think you go kind of past that hump, yeah. but all of a sudden you try something that's 20 years older than what they said it was. And you're like, oh, wow, that actually did kind of cool. And, you know, when it comes to champagne, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm part of the solution, but I'm also part of the problem because I am someone that calls everything bubbles. And I'm just like, yeah, it's just bubbles. It's Prosecco. It's Cobb. It's bubbles. But when you drink yeah. champagne, this is another level. It really yeah. is. It's, it's not just bubbles. And... I think I try and dumb it down for the general public and like just kind of bring it down to a more commoner level in a way when I'm talking about Proseccos and Cavas and right. stuff like that. And that's why I just call everything bubbles. But truly, there is something special when you get to champagne. There's a complexity that other types of bubbles don't have, that American right. bubbles do not have, right. that champagne is able to produce. You nailed it earlier. You said my magic word, acid. Right. These wines still have so much acid. There's a zippiness still to them. He's just like... It's not smooth. <laughs> it's not smooth. That's my favorite five-letter word. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> just find out how many letters are in it. It's even <laughs> <Yeah>. funnier. <laughs> uh, for those not in so, on the joke, there's an episode a few years or a few back that he said it was his favorite six-letter word. I said it was my favorite five-letter five, word. Five-letter word, yeah. And too bad it's six. Too bad it's six. <laughs> um... But like the 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 he's counting. <laughs> it just hit him. <laughs> See, it's my favorite five letter word. Yeah. Um, like this this twenty year old one of the yellow label is still has tons of life. It's it could go another ten years without 
it would still be drinkable. It'd, it'd, it'd be drinkable. It, it, yeah. It's it wouldn't gonna, be it, the house style. It, I, I'm agreeing with you on this one. Yeah. It, it won't be the house style. It'll get more... For me, it would get more almost like a cookie dough nutty characteristic as it kind of keeps going. The caramel. Uh, yes. Yeah. And almost, I could see it almost going like banana bready in a way. Yeah. yeah. A little yeah. like honeysuckle. As, as, it, as it ages a little bit longer, but some people like that. You know, I always tell people, my first rule of wine, don't ever believe me. Have you met my girlfriend? <laughs> we're, we're, she loves cooked wine, which I thought was really fun. But she... Uh, she cooked uh, wine? Yeah, cooked. she had a cooked wine one time. Like, cooked. Like, it sat in the sun for hours. She drank it. She loved it. And I was like, okay, weird. But you poured for her, and this is your fault. And I blamed you, actually, on a podcast before without actually mentioning your name. So for everybody who knows from the past ones, when I said my girlfriend has expensive taste... You put you had a real old Runar, <laughs> dude, old Runar, and he opened it up, and everybody was like, "Oh, it's like it's past our time, it's past what we like." And she's in the corner just with the shit eating grin, like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" I'm like, "Well, there goes our bank account for the next couple of weeks." So she loves you're old champagne. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. What else did we we opened some other we ones? We had the Runars. Uh, I think you, had some, Rose. Oh, you brought uh, the Chinese uh, Cabernet. Oh uh, yeah. Ooh. That was a fun night, man. We ordered what food did we get? Like we no, had all the hummus in uh, the world. Oh no, no. Uh, oh right, right, right. right. Where, I can't remember. Pita Jungle. Pita Jungle. Yeah, Pita Jungle and Brunard. Like Delicious. All right, so you're drinking. You're you're eating Pita Jungle with Old Brunard and Chinese. Uh, no, I had a I had a sample bottle. I just gave him a a Corvin a little bit for yeah. for Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. For that Chinese wine, man, it's pretty good actually. You know. I've only had one and it was horrible. This um, is, was uh, it the Great Wall? Yes, <laughs> it actually was, and it was the yeah. <laughs> No, it was. My buddy went what? there, and that's what he brought back. Yeah, it was Great Wall Wine, and it was horrible. It, it was, was, it, it, was their, it was their barefoot. Oh, yeah. okay. No, it's because I, I had it once in China. It was yeah. That's the, it's their yellow tail or their barefoot. Oh, that's the label. It's called the Great it's Wall. It's literally it's called, called great, the Great it's Wall. Called great Wall. Yeah. yeah, that's like they're mass produced. There's it's How everywhere much out it? there. Free $4? because he gave, he just showed up with a bottle and said, "Here, drink this." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what Here, he paid. <laughs> I have yeah, no. It was, it's brutal. Every now and then you catch a wine every once in a while. You're like, oh, I'm willing to try this. And then you take one sip and you look at your buddy like, I kind of don't like you right now for yeah. pouring this But wine. I'm often really surprised. People have pulled out some wines from some unique countries for me. And I'm just blown away. Like uh, Rich pulled out a Pinot Noir from uh, not Sw- yeah, Switzerland. It was a Swiss Pinot Noir. Really? Yeah. And I was like, Swiss? I think of like chocolate Cheese. and watches yeah. and mountains. Yeah. yeah. I don't Gold. think of wine. Yeah. yeah. Rich, who used <laughs> to be partners with... Uh, like he was partners or part of the uh, cowboy chow cashmere's. He was partners in the cocktail bar um, and all that. But yeah, he just he was dining at Atlas. I just had to stop in to say hi to the owner, and he's like, "Damien, come here, drink the Swiss Pinot." I'm like, yeah, "There's no such thing." <laughs> yeah, and no, it was seriously. delicious. I would have believed. Yeah, or Le- Lebanese Bordeaux blend. Ah, Chateau, Chateau Moussar. Oh. Okay, one of my f- favorite wines of all time is a Bordeaux blend from Lebanon. That and is fantastic. Such a unique. Place to be growing that. It's weird when you think about places that have certain grapes and whatnot. Like Champagne is hands down one of the most like most obscure places because it's so cold. It's so co- it makes sense to make this because you're not going to get like. I, and I was telling him this last time was uh, I'd love to try a still wine. Like I would like them to take a bottled Chardonnay or Pinot Noir from the and actually make it like a normal one. Take a Pinot Noir, let it macerate a while on the skins, and make a Pinot from there and try it. It would probably be pretty hard yeah. to drink. <laughs> um, well, we had to give it some time, but it's basically a. Grand Cru, yeah, Burgundy. That's it. Yeah, all right. It's a little time. Yeah. So I'm gonna make you be a salesman for a second. You want to tell the story of of Clicquot, like who she is, like what's then where the name comes from. Oh like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is something that's actually most people don't even know. They just no. think it's a name that's yeah. made up. And when you they say when, Vouv, when, yeah, yeah. When we study wine, though, 
this is a story we actually have to that you study. Yeah, like yeah. it's this is the part of the history of the region that most right. people don't even realize. Yeah, she's very innovative. Um, basically, helped bring the the Champagne region to what it is today. Um, the house itself was found in 1772. Is that when uh, she was alive? Was 1772? That's when the, the Maison was founded. Uh, but she did not take over until 1805. Her husband passed away, and this was unheard of. In 1805, women did not have a lot of rights. They, they didn't even have rights to vote. They can't own businesses. They can't, I believe they can't even have a bank account. So at the age of 27, she took over the, the Maison. And by 1810, um, she had the, released the first vintage. She had the first vintage champagne. Uh, 1816, she had the first rosé, assemblage, uh, blending in. The, the red still wines into the into the blend to make a rosé. Um, yeah, and she invented the Riddling table, which is, you know, those three things itself. It's just... So she's the one who made up Riddling tables. Like, yeah. That's her... Her motto is only one quality, the finest. That's awesome. Uh, you know, with, with the cloudiness of it, with the leaves in there, like, You no. are lighting up <laughs> as you're talking about this. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you can, it, you can it, just it, see it, you're, like, so yeah. passionate about it's because it. because, yeah, we're drinking clear champagne now, and it's just part of the reason. Yeah, but most people, most people just think it's a winery name. They don't realize right. that it's a person. It's actually yeah. a person, and it was very influential in where we're at today. Right. When we're drinking champagnes, like every champagne we're drinking is part of the the process yeah. she helped invent and yeah, create yeah, yeah. and be part of. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, one little part of it. Yeah, and that's and actually really interesting. You brought up the fact that she was doing it back when, you know, females didn't have the best of rights in this world like yeah. it, was, it was a what was going on two three hundred years ago was not what's going on today and right the where it should be i mean yeah the fact of you said like they weren't allowed to do a lot of things and now she's running bank a, account have a bank account, vote yeah that's <laughs> crazy <laughs> <I> love the <laughs> vote. <laughs> yeah we're just talking about how she was doing she's one of the most influential female wine people ever but she wasn't yeah, was, she a wine, the, um, was she actually a winemaker or was she like a, a um, cellar master was she, she a cave master well, her husband, was, he was involved in, like, purchasing land in there. Fortunately, most of the lands that they purchased was Grand Cru now. Um, and then they still have it, or they, uh, the company still has it. Um, but in the area, they, they call it the, the La Grande Dame of, you know, the great yeah. lady of Champagne. Yeah. I mean, plus also back then it wasn't like, oh, are you the winemaker? Are you the right. the vineyard manager? Like you did everything back then. She probably did everything. Yeah, I mean, like pretty much, like the CEO. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm 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 sure she did everything from you know picking grapes to making brioche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They I mean, ran the entire household. So that actually brings up a question: Do they own their vineyard sites, or do they source for their sites? They have, like have. They do have um, uh, options to buy like ninety five percent of all the Grand Cru, so they can pick. They have contracts with these uh, the farmers, growers, and they can use those into the blend. Okay, yeah. so it's mostly um, the the uh, from the Cote Blanc and the the Montan de Rance. So, so pretty much, Vov is available in every country. Pretty much, I yeah. mean, I'm assuming it's probably a shorter list of countries you're not in. Um, than the countries you're in. Yeah. You probably don't want to be in those countries that's not available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They I, may I, be. I, exactly. There's <laughs> war. Yeah, I was going to say, there might be some wars. Some little island in the Pacific. You're like, they're, they're not buying too much They're probably more worried champagne. about drinking water than they are <laughs> champagne. Yeah. 
All right, so I do want to go back. I want to talk a little bit about the 08 that you brought, though, because it's a really special wine. I mean, it's nice it's having, having, having the two or the 08s, having the two yellow labels comparative. I want to get into a little bit more breakdown and a little bit of that. I really want to talk about this 08 because it, this is finesse. I do, man. I like yeah. If I was to talk, if I was to put one word on this wine, that's the that's word is finesse. Good, that's a very good word. I but can't. It's I, also, power behind it because there's 61 percent Pinot Noir in there. So, so bubbles. Do you know a lot about bubbles? Like as far as bubbles per square inch and yada yada yada, or however many bubbles are in a glass? Because the bubbles in this are so different than the bubbles in this. I think there's like a, it's there, there's the a moose. number. It's there the moose, is. Isn't it? It's like 44 million. Bubbles per bottle. Oh my god, this is actually a yeah. thing. This is a thing. Like oh. this is yeah. Champagne <laughs> yeah. people know, I didn't this. know this. Yeah, but like yeah. the the bubbles in this seem to be finer. They seem to be more concentrated. The older the sh the the champagne, the smaller the bubbles. Like I feel like there's more bubbles per square centimeter in this than these two. I was like, looking at his glass, it's going crazy right now. Yeah, and yeah. even when you get it in your mouth, like it just has such a mouth feel compared the other two. Are, I'm not, it's comparative don't get me wrong like i'm not trying to say that these don't have it but this has something that's special like it's it different does. like it's a little more i don't even know how to put it sometimes tingly on the tongue yes <laughs> your palate it's great a balance of acidity as well as fruit to it so you guys are releasing this nine years after production so you're uh, on 09 nationally or you're on what vintage of this nationally oh it should be 09 it sits it sits on at least eight years all right. I mean, I'm, yeah. wow, it sits on there eight years. Wow. Honestly, so uh, this is oh, this is me going off no, of something I don't no, no, prefer. Uh, sorry, six. All right. So let's let's wow. let, let's take this back a couple steps. I want to. We need to explain. What do you mean? We've talked about dosage. We've talked about lees. What do you mean by that? Like, because to be honest, a lot of people are going to listen to this. Might have be like lees. Like I know oh, I, I, uh, I I know a guy named Lee at the end of the street, and he drinks <laughs> yeah. Bud. He drinks Bud Light. Like I don't know. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> that that ain't Lee's wine. Is he general? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so these are little wine terms that we throw around sometimes so nonchalant, but the average person doesn't always know what we're talking about. Uh, during secondary fermentation, they do add more. Uh, All right, so I'm gonna step in. What do you mean by secondary fermentation? Sorry, I'm gonna so, I'm, I'm gonna attack you for this one. <laughs> uh, uh, making champagne. Part of the reason why it's expensive because they basically make wine twice. Yeah, you make the wine, blend it, and then you have to age it. Uh, and to get the bubbles, you have to go through fermentation again. It's a secondary. Secondary. Yeah. So they add um, uh, yeast and sugar, and when the the yeast cells are spent, they're dead. It sounds horrible when you say dead yeast. <laughs> yeah, but so it does. But so, <laughs> yeah. So so these are dead yeast. Well, they're spent and they're just sitting there. It's it's hard to visually. Uh, I usually have like a little picture. No, I get like, like a, a like it looks like powder in a bottle. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's the sediment at the bottom. If of If you the put bottle. a when the bottle's aging, you put a light to it, and it just looks like. A cloudy powder. substance, like oh, like it's just you know, it'd be good for people now. It looks like a little kombucha thing on the bottom. Almost, uh, yeah, that's yeah, actually, yeah, that's right. actually a good that's way a good, to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But if you shake it up, it's cloudy. So it just becomes cloudy. So, so when you make wine, you know, you you ferment it. You have a still wine. Yeah. You add, you re-add yeast and sugar. It starts to reactivate. Yeah. And when it's when that yeast is done eating sugar, it has nothing else to eat, so it basically starves and it yeah. falls to the bottom. Yep. Winemakers like to stir that up. And as you stir up the yeast, it adds complexity. It adds like a, a bread box note. Yeah, yes. It, You'll yeah. get that toasty note out of the yeast. Yep. Um, 
in red wine producers will use like a hockey stick. It looks like they stick it in the barrel, <laughs> yeah, and they they mix it up. It's the only way to get into that little yeah, hole yeah. Yeah. with like a paddle and stir it up. And you stir up your yeast, your lees, to give a complexity to your wine. Now in a red wine, I it's important, but I think it's way more important in champagne because well, yeah, the, the, the lees, the lees is yeah, lees yeah. is that's what champagne's all about. Is your this could be flat if you aged it, you know. Um, a tenth of the time, it could just be really bright and just flat, and the mouthfeel and the finish, it wouldn't be there. That is this one is not a very nice finish on the 08. Yeah, I was gonna say it's one thing, I, I, and this is where I get into. It's not arguments. It's more of like I, I, I treat I treat it like there's two different styles of the champagnes I like. I like the really more crisp, more vibrant. I like this style of champagne versus like I don't. It's not that I don't like Krug, but Krug is like huge on that bready, toasty, nutty it's characteristic. Bo- it's, it's a blend like, of both worlds. Yeah, it's it's Older such a unique younger. style, and I, I, that's the one and I don't it's like. It's a perfect <laughs> blend of those two worlds, and you get, and it's an amazing wine. It's the, yeah. the complexity. And so one thing is from like a winemaker's perspective, when those leaves, when they're talking about how the leaves die and eventually fall, but what actually happens too is that the alcohol physically breaks down the yeast itself. It's There's a term for it. It's auto-something. Autolysis. Thank yeah. you very much. The guy who's not a winemaker had that better than I, I did. Say I've, uh, I've actually never heard of that term before. Oh, there you go. Perfect. So, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it because I knew I was going to say something really stupid. Auto, Autobots. Auto locks in Autobots. Yeah. Engage. Yeah. Auto-transformers <laughs> engage. Optimus Prime is the first step of uh, yeah, aging wine. Optimus Prime is yes. the best wine you can buy. Bumblebee is at Bumble- the end. <laughs> so eventually, you know, those things break down, and all that characteristic of the yeast basically more or less sounds weird, but dissolves into the wine and adds one heck of a characteristic to it. And if I, I'd imagine, and I guess this is the question for you, is do these houses, do they have, like how here in America people are literally patenting yeast, do they do that in champagne? We're like, this is they our yeast. This is the characteristic of this champagne, and nobody else is allowed to have it. Or do they just let it naturally go? Um, they do have their specific yeast that they use. Do they really? Yeah. Okay, that's what I was wondering. And some of the strands, they don't last very long. Oh, yeah. Just gonna make yeah. sure everyone's we're full all pointing here. at each other, looking yeah. at some wine. No, we're just trying to make sure everyone's full on glasses here too, because. We I don't pour a lot of wine. If you notice, when we pour these wines, we pour yeah about an for, ounce, for, two ounces, ounce and a half. Yeah, you but want. then I keep it filled and I just kind of keep going. I don't like to pour nine ounces at once. Right, so like I hate that. So like when someone does that, I kind of cringe. Oh, a little when you bit. get a whole fat glug, glug, glass glug, glug, of it, glug, 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 yeah. you're like, oh. So I got a weird question, and I, I, I'm not kidding. I just noticed this only because you brought this other one. What's this Ponsardin? That's your. That's her maiden. That's name. your bottle, by the way. Nicole Barb. Uh, Is that uh, did I pronounce it? Yeah. Persardine. Oh Pansardine. wow, God. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, what you notice right away is just um, how they streamline the design of the bottles. It's a lot of less verbiage on the neck. Yeah. And they just just went with the above Clicquot. They got rid of the logo a little bit. Yeah. It's around the neck, so we're, we're a little easier. What we're doing is we're actually looking at a bottle that was twenty years old versus a bottle today. Right. One on the back, the QR code. Right. Or whatever. Is that what it is? QR? Q- uh, QRC? QV? QRC? Is that? Q- QRC? Yeah. QRC? I kept, I think I was saying QPC, which definitely oh, wasn't yeah. right. Yeah. QBR? Wait. <laughs> We're in the it's wine business. We're in the tech business, obviously. <laughs> but the, it's the, got a the, perfect QBR. Yeah, the, the code on the back that looks like you're trying to board a plane. Um, <laughs> that's on the new bottle versus the... Oh, that's my favorite thing. But you could tell that the... 
they've cleaned up the label. There was a lot more writing on the 20-year-old label. The on the neck, the uh, there's logos all around it. Like they cleaned up the label. Like I'm pretty sure it's a marketing thing. Just it just yeah. looks very clean now. And um, that's funny that we're using that term because that's that's probably the right to clean, like a clean look to it. Yeah, and it's not like anything Less was bad more. about it. Anyway, C- yeah. Cutting out the extra logos all over it, cutting out the extra verbiage. Yeah. That really, at the end of the day, the person buying this at the store doesn't care about the extra verbiage. Do you know no. what they're looking for? They're looking for the yellow label. Yep. The name of the taste that they've had. Well, yeah. well done. <laughs> well that done. is one thing too, because this is one thing that's a brand that's probably lasted. I'm sorry, how long did you say this was? Seventeen. Seventeen seventy-two. And right. they have not. I imagine there's a fluctuation, but look at how strong they're going now. Yeah. Almost, almost three hundred years later. You know, obviously fifty years out, but it's like two hundredth anniversary of the, of the um, the rosé that she made. See, and yeah. it's still going strong. And honestly, uh, you know, from our last podcast, we were talking about last what you year. bring to a party. And it was the Vuv we were talking about this whole time. Oh, God, I, it doesn't feel natural saying Vuv. It will. It will it eventually, will now that you. I know it. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of do like, because I don't like saying things, you know, inappropriately, but clearly I say everything wrong. Well, forever, <laughs> this has been, I mean... Dude, it's such a clean it, champagne. It's the name in champagne. I mean, I could literally men- mention the color of the label, and people know what I'm talking about. Huh, what are you drinking? Yellow label? Drink. It was the... Um, um, the Brits who wanted a different color, uh, one of the reasons they wanted a different color to to, to uh, decide between something with a more higher dosage and a brute. So the yellow label got the brute, and the, the something with a higher dosage, the demisec, got the white label. So how long have they had this label? Is this like uh, probably the last fifty years? No, longer. Uh, I don't know the exact date, but with the yellow label, yeah. With, with the uh, the vintage, just always a little different. I do love the fact that not only do you have the Brits influencing this little bit. But Moet is, you said Dutch or Shandon Dutch? Uh, uh, Claude, Claude Moet. Claude yeah. Moet from a, different, from a lady who made wine in France. So like multi-different places coming together to make yeah. a champagne that's on all the shelves out there. Who says globalization doesn't work? <laughs> I, well, it says they're doing something right. You know, sometimes I have a, an opinion about the, the, the large houses of the world because... I've always represented small houses. Right. And of course, little houses are, they want to take down the big guy. You know, I mean, Lee Chester was all about taking down Manchester United. You know, like that's having the, the little team take down the, the, you know, David and Goliath story. Right. However, there's a reason why Goliath is on the top and it's not necessarily because of the marketing team. It's because they're doing a good job. Right. Like year in and year out. Not only with product, but with marketing, labeling, R&D. everything, all of it. R&D is pretty huge, um, especially with the clean farming. Uh, Moet, yeah, a, Moet Chandon, Moet Hennessy, the, the, the forefront of just uh, any technology with just clean farming. At Moet, they use a pheromones um, on the vines. Butterfly. chemicals, yeah. Yeah. Confuses I'm, the, the, yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar with butterfly pheromones. Yeah. And those of All you right. who don't I'm know not, it. I'm not. Really? Yeah. I, I, I. So one of my most biodynamic experiences with those at Isley Vineyard in uh, St. Helena, and they would wrap this yellow band around the vines to attract bugs to that so they don't eat the grapes. They brought in hawks. They brought in spiders. They did all this crazy work to it, but they had something that you guys are hitting on that I don't know about, but they were like, they put something in there so that it's things wouldn't that. eat the vine. And it, it sounds it, like butterflies butterfly laying like, uh, eggs on yeah, it. Yeah, laying eggs yeah. on it. That was yep. cool. And it has to do what with cool climate, mountainous vineyards do yep. it a lot because of the, the time of the year in which butterfly, like males and females, lay their eggs and 
You know it what? Confuses them. The, the pheromones do. Yep. So, so, so they put they put butterfly pheromones. They hang this little thing from the end, end yeah, of the vineyards. Yeah. yeah. And it makes the males think that another male has already been there and and has already done his duty. And I'm just going to continue on, and I'm not going to come there, and I'm yeah. not going to cool make that my mark. That's cool. to a point where instead of being like, all right, we got to spray the pests, we got to do why all these. Why kill them when you can just confuse them? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's really is a, it's a smarter way to do things. And yeah. you know, back in the day, you're like, just kill it all, whatever. Maybe maybe a bird would eat those butterflies, and those birds eat bad insects that go in the vineyards. Yeah. yeah. So you want to keep those birds alive and they, if they're fed well. A, and, a vineyard yeah. needs to be alive. Right. All around, whether it's the bugs, the ants, the birds, the bees, all of it. It needs to be alive and to produce a yeah. great wine, I've always believed that that vineyard needs to be alive. And once you start taking out one part of the ecosystem, the rest of them go away. Yeah. And so part of the confusion keeps the ecosystem intact without, it doesn't kill things. Yeah. Which I didn't, uh, I didn't realize they were doing that there, which is, because I know it's very popular and Alpine regions in Italy, yeah, um, and like I said mountainous regions in certain parts of France. But I didn't realize it was um, widely used or used in Champagne. Um, when I was in Champagne, we went to a, a grower. He was a fifth generation winemaker. His father was, and he, when he was younger, when he was learning, he actually worked at uh, Moet and Chandon. And he said nothing but great things about them. He's like, every year they send me bottles. Like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and there's, and um, oh, what did I ask him? Was it? I think he asked him if uh, they sent him the the like Grand Dame or something. He's like, no. He's he was, like upset about that. And uh, but he did say that he loved working there and he loved the company because of the clean farming that they do. So all right. So yeah. here's the crazy question. So I I realized this with Italy. If you live in Champagne. Do I have to pay champagne prices to drink champagne, or or are the locals taken care of? If if I move tomorrow to Champagne, can I buy champagne for three dollars, three euros a bottle? I don't think you can get that low, but <laughs> I don't know. I how think, I, in Bordeaux, it's literally when you go to Bordeaux. If you if you're living in Bordeaux, you go to the grocery store. They have a shelf that's the one euro shelf of Bordeaux. They have a three euro shelf of Bordeaux. I drank. I literally drank the three euro shelf every night, and it was unbelievable. I mean, that's a pretty good question. You know I'm just curious. I'm, no, I'm going to ask. Like, I don't know. Like, when you go there, everything's uh, geared towards tourists visiting. So everything's expensive. Pricing is, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess, let me ask you this question. It's a, it's, a, it's a global price right. that's set. Yeah. And it's, you know, give or take 10, maybe. But, so is Champagne a big village? Or are we talking like mm, a couple thousand small. people? It's yeah. tiny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so they probably not more sell it to each other, more as, hey, that. man, what are you doing for dinner? I'll bring over my stuff. You but bring over your like 84, stuff. It's uh, 84,000 hectares right. of champagne. So, so by the time uh, that... That's not that big. So, so that, that, that champagne that I'm buying on a shelf here for $70 a bottle, we'll just say 50 For that wine to be $50 on the shelf here, it's trucked across France, goes on a boat, hops on a boat and goes from that boat from France to New York, then right. goes on a truck from New York to Arizona... And it's fifty dollars. Now that now that champagne, they've had to pay the salesman fee. You, because <laughs> you're in Arizona, that's how you're employed. You get the fun portfolio job. specialist. Portfolio, yeah. the 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 breakthrough beverage sales reps commission. Then yeah, they have to pay the import managers. They have to pay the 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 fees to whoever your importer is. You have to pay the the docking fees both in New York and France. <laughs> So you but, gonna, are you gonna list? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying. But but, but so 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 that that wine leaving France might be fifteen dollars. By the time it gets to us, it's fifty. 
If I live in that town, can I buy it for 15? That I don't know. I know. I it's a, it's, it's know, a weird question, but yeah. it's so, this is what I realized with the Italian wine market was, there was some, I go over there, I'd be like, oh my God, I could buy this wine for this price. And people are like, oh, why would you pay yeah. more? And I'm like, because I live in Arizona. <laughs> like, yeah, but think about that. Think you about got a car here. Uh, you got to ship BMW that shit here. here. But think about what you Europe. just said. In Europe, everybody's driving Beamers. Yeah. But wait, everybody. But here sorry. you're like, I can't afford a Beamer. Uh, Do you drive a Beamer? No. Yeah, I don't either. But, wait, but <laughs> think about this. You just said all that. You know, you got to pay this guy to get it to here, to here, to here, to here. This place has been around so long that they can literally sell to people like us here in Arizona right now. We can go to a store, look at that shelf. And not only is there so food, there's Dom, there's Krug. I mean, at this point, like... There it is. It's right there. And, you know, if you have a Safeway card, maybe it's 10 bucks cheaper. I don't know. There you go. But at the same time, like, I'm getting a bottle of champagne from the other side of the world from high quality things for for 40 bucks. For 40 40 or 50 50 bucks. bucks. That's cheap. And they're aging it minimum with. Three years. Three years. Like pay rent. Effort. Pay rent for three years yeah. in in Burgundy and see where how your bank account yeah. looks. And, and by the way, yeah, it's not. You know like, it's not doing what it's aging. Making money. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Dom is, yes. Uh, Dom Perignon is uh, average. Uh, the Blanc vintage is about nine years on the lease. So yeah. So, what what is Dom's release now? Is it 09 now? Uh yes, 09. The 08 is just about to come out. Oh, the 08's about to come out. Yeah. Oh, all right. So I'm See, gonna... the 09's a little... Um, I got lucky. Warmer, I, I, yeah. I think I sent you the picture. Of it. I tagged you in the picture. I, I, won a, I got a couple bottles because a restaurant went out of business. They bought the Opus. There's a bunch of food. They had Dom in there. It was 06 at the time. That was three years ago. And I went and brought my buddy in, in California. And I was like, well, I'm celebrating my best friends. I haven't seen him in years. So I'm like, I'm bringing... I brought Dom. Like, I brought Dom to be the one that this is what we're going to pour... And this was, and I'm pretty sure I took pictures of it, but we poured it in red, solo cups, drank it. Dude, it was so good. It's such a good champagne to have. But it's weird because I'm sitting here like, dude, this is an 06. If I had an 06 Napa cab, that's going to cost me a fortune. And no, by the way, not see it. Not that Dom yeah. is cheap by any means, but still to have that high quality and be that fresh. If I have an 06 Napa cab, it's good. But the freshness isn't there like a champagne. Like drinking an old champagne uh, at this point in time when I drank it was a 12, 13-year champagne. And it was fresh. Yep. Like even this really old non-vintage, this yellow label, 20-year-old, maybe cellared bottle, who knows how it was done. It's the nose is different. The flavor is different, but it still is fresh. Like my tongue is fresh. Oh, yeah, please give me some more of this. I'm, I'm having this 08. Still it's, changing it, The 08 is it, coming uh, back yes. to me now. So it, the... Pricing is something that always amazes me. I'm a salesman. Oh. I, the, the whole thing of this thing, too, is that John's the winemaker and the, the, the collector. I'm the salesman and the geek. You know, So we, we, we approach things a little differently. But the, the pricing is something I, I often think about because to get this wine over here, $50 for this wine are, is pretty cheap. Yeah. Affordable. Don't, For, don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't tell your bosses that. Inexpensive. I don't you, want them to raise the price. No, wait, wait, wait. It's not. I inexpensive. Say, 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 inexpensive. Inexpensive, not cheap. No. <laughs> Don't raise the price. Our, our, our guessing <laughs> price at fifty. Yeah, like I really, I really don't know the, the retail. It's it's you're no, you're right about that because I remember the last time I saw because I honestly thought today there's a half a millisecond. I was like, we're gonna drink these one. Like, do I need to go grab one? And went by the store and I didn't because, but it was I think oh, it was forty two dollars. Oh okay. Yeah, it's like it's surprise. Like, uh, Safeway. So oh, okay. same thing. And I'm, if you're on the <laughs> West Coast, it's Vons, and if you're on the East Coast, it's probably Kroger's. <laughs> And we're a little bit more expensive on the West Coast because most stuff lands on the East Coast. And even if it lands in Long Beach, Um, it still has a a truck here. Right. So as a general rule, it's actually sometimes a little cheaper to land in New York because New York's probably one of your biggest markets overall. Yeah. 
I mean, and, everybody. And, and well, East Coast population, just the East Coast in general. So they probably land their biggest containers in the East Coast, and it's still trucks over here. But I got, and, and this is me playing devil's advocate because that's what we do every now and then. Wouldn't from like if you were at like a Las Vegas to the West Coast side, I would imagine, and maybe because it's harder to battle against California, but I would assume the West Coast would have more sales of champagne than anywhere else in America. Or am I wrong on that? You're wrong. Am I wrong? Um, and I'm talking like let's, I guess, west of the Mississippi uh, would be uh, stupid, but well, I don't know about your champagne. You're you're the well. You might I mean, be able to answer it, this, but I mean, Champagne's good everywhere. Well, it is literally bigger, bigger everywhere. markets. They're definitely a lot better. I mean, Vegas has got to be California's huge, is, but is, is the obviously California's what is it the third biggest uh, GOP? Yeah, uh, it's like number five it, right now. It, it's in the top GDP in the world. GDP, it, GOP, it, GDP. It, it, it's it's one of the top. GOP. It is. All, it's not GOP GDP. anymore. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's one of the top ten. Economies in the world, and it's yeah. and it's a state in our country. Right. Yeah, like it's not. So yeah, like, anything, any business there is definitely a little bit elevated. But but one thing I've realized is the population on the East Coast is so concentrated right. that what the East Coast can do for sales right. is way different than the West Coast because in one state, it's that is true. Yeah. The, the, the concentration with New York, Connecticut, and Bo- or Massachusetts is so dense. Right, it can't. The West Coast will never compete with the East Coast. That is just, true. Just on population density in the United States. And, and for like our side of this, like w- when I went to New York with you, we took a train from where did we land? Was it Philly? No, we landed in Baltimore. We took a train from Baltimore to Philly in an hour, Philly to New York in like two, and upstate in a couple hours. I have to drive to Vegas in five hours, and that's the closest major city almost before you hit LA and San yeah. Diego. And, and James, you're just Arizona, or do you have like Southwest, Las Vegas, or are you just Arizona? Uh, just Arizona, but. You're lucky. Mainly then. Phoenix. That's so mainly Phoenix, and then like a little Tucson, a little Flagstaff, um, even. If you need help like, with a couple things, but r- rarely it's mainly yeah. Phoenix. And this must be a busy time. So right now we're f- we're doing this January seventh today. So we have Bear Jacksons. You're about to have the biggest car show in the world. It's coming yeah. here. What do you guys sponsor here locally? Do you guys sponsor any big events? Do are you like the? Um, I don't handle that. It's more the the distributor. They do a lot of the. Of course, but I didn't know if like um, uh, uh, Moe Hennessy. The, the major company like, right. at the like, we also have the Phoenix Open, which is the golf or thing. V- we have Shandon at the Phoenix Open. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that is one thing that I like to point out, by the way, because I was going to bring this up earlier. Yeah, I we talked about this for celebrations that it's always you know champagne is the celebration. But you notice, like every time somebody wins something, they spray champagne on everything. It's just shake that bottle, spray yeah. it, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's in a club. It's a big night. Spray that champagne. You win the Grand Prix, spray champagne. It's basketball. Hey, we won the NBA yeah. championship. Go in your locker champagne. room, spray champagne. You won the divisional everywhere. round, champagne. You won the 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 regional round, champagne. You won your. They got to do it every single round now too. First of all, if I was one of those teams, you know what I would do? I'd put prosecco in no. my champagne bottle. I'd spray that shit on my friends, and I would drink the champagne. It's, uh, <laughs> like why? Sp- why, don't, why don't you just take Miller High Life? Sp- it's a champagne of beer. Spray sp- High Life on everybody. Such good stuff. Like it's actually part of me. Like my soul, I get lost when I see them spraying like a great champagne on each other. Like stop. Like stop. I've uh, I've been in. I forget what club that was, but there were. This guy came in and he's known for spraying champagne everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, Are you that guy? I love no, that. It's There's uh, a guy who's known for this. He's on. Yeah, I forget his name. He's just on. Oh, that is. Excellent. He's a photographer and he just. Anyways, he was in one of the the nightclubs here and. 
the smell of cheap sparkling spray. Right. Oh, horrible. Good also, point. it's so sticky. Yeah. It's so it was sticky. Bad. Right away, it just smelled horrible. True. I guess you don't want to hear. Yeah, but. Well, uh, if you're an NBA team, your budget's a little higher. Let's not ruin our night. Let's not ruin our night. We just won something. So, all right, if it was you and you, James just won Super Bowl, he kicked the winning field goal on like the Chicago Bears kicker right now. James, what, what champagne are you reaching for to spray on all your teammates having a good time Probably because you just won? Moet. Moet. That's the good yeah. spraying champagne? I love champagne. it. I will spray water on my friends or we're going to drink the champagne. <laughs> I am not spraying. Yeah. It's, it's a waste to me. No, I no, hate no. it. You have to spray champagne. Oh, my God. I don't... Oh. There it is. We heard it right now. Moet is the spraying champagne. I, By the way, you know what? So I'm going to bring this up only because I accidentally found this. And I don't know if you know, only because I got deep, 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 dark web stuff. Not dark web, it's not right. Like Wikipedia web is more better. <laughs> but the original people who sprayed champagne was Moet. Oh. And it was from a Formula One Grand Prix race back in the 60s. And I love Formula One. And it was one of those weird things that I found out. And they were like, yeah, Moet handed a bottle to the guy to like use it as a, hey, congratulations. Yeah. But instead, he, he it. shook it and sprayed it on everybody. And ever since then, it goes up. And I, I assume there's a truth in that because it's on Wikipedia. It's on the internet. How is it a lie? That's true. Somebody, but, typed, yeah. it. Now they Somebody give people, typed it. It might be real. Now they give people goggles and they like prep their lockers for the yeah, champagne celebration. Yeah. Come on, yeah. man. Just bring in the champagne and ruin a locker or two. Yeah. I, w- I would like to have been there the first time somebody won, like whether it was a Bulls championship or I don't know, that somebody ran in with champagne and just started shaking it and just spraying all of his buddies. And you can't get mad. Like, no, dude, you just, you just yeah. won a championship. <laughs> you just won yeah. something amazing. I don't mind getting Synonymous sprayed. with just victory. And yeah. usually it's a Nowadays you're in Scottsdale and the dude who got the booth behind you spraying champagne on everybody and you're like, ugh. All right, so all got, right bro, just drink that. I got to bring up, did, you, spray did, it, yeah. did you see the video at the French Laundry of the guy trying to savor the bottle? I did. You, you <laughs> saw it. You saw it. You saw it. <laughs> How... Seriously, I've sabered things with a with like a spoon before, a like butter we, knife. Yeah. We had a sabering contest once at my house where we had uh, prizes for distance, height, and most unique utensil. The person who won used the bottom of a wine glass. Yeah, you can do that. Like I used a, a soup spoon. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna win this," and then Mister Freaking Wine Glass came along, it's and I hard, lost. But you can do it. This is you find like that one would work. I, I think some what we're gonna do in the future is once we get video up and running, we're definitely going to have you back. And we're going to get a bunch of different champagnes, and we're going to see what top flies the farthest. It was a fun con- competition. Grand, when I did the, the sabering competition at my house, it was all kava. Ah. Because my budget's limited. I haven't won the lotto in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. So, <laughs> so because... That was, that was brutal. Because yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> I was just going to say my... Uh, <laughs> When I got here, the, the green room was was fantastic. You didn't, you didn't like it. You didn't like the little uh, the sidebar with your uh, what do we get? No, the there's a, just just for future guests. Uh, I did get a green room. There was an assistant. There was ah, there was. Yeah. Um, there was you catered food. Your assistant didn't fill out the tender cor- uh, properly, where I didn't know what type of food you wanted. If it was oh, like gluten free right. or whatever. No, so. just, yeah, it was catered. I believe it was a. Uh, a steak. Oh, she and... took professional <laughs> pictures too, by yeah, the way, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So if anybody uh, Wake not c- come visit here the next time and uh, did not get a, the green room. And next time you come here... It's only for yeah, champagne yeah, producers. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, we only treat the best people in Arizona. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everybody else is going to get just the... Uh, hey, I sit mean, down. we had... 
Vuv on, you know, ready to rock and roll for them. So, sorry, your common year producers, but hey. <laughs> Dude, I I just poured more of this OA. Uh, it's funny because when I started drinking this, I was in love with the the newer Vuv Clico, but now that this OA is finally like it's opening, yeah, yeah, yeah dude. I tried. It la- is I tried. So nice. I tried last time. We took a left turn. Can we talk about the 08? Oh, <laughs> please. Yeah, this is <laughs> because 08 is killing so, it right so, now. So, so, just please tell us about it. Tell us why it's special. Tell us, like, I'm granted. You, you talked a little bit about the yeah. vintage, but can, this is not something that people think about when they think of Vuk. They think of Yellow Label, right? Um, with the other champagnes, uh, with Moet as well as Clico and Dom, they only release a vintage when it's good enough. Dom will only release a vintage. They don't have non-vintages. So there's but, years they miss. Like you could go six, but they don't think seven is good. Then they seven, they, to eight. seven is a, it was a skip for Dom. Dom Perignon. Um, with Clicquot, again, when the year is good. Yeah. Uh, when they believe that they're going to make the, the best wine with, with what They kind of treat it like a port almost. Like there's only so many years that yeah. they do a vintage champagne. Yeah. Um, the, the the blend that they use, uh, the the years that they age it is six years. I think I said eight earlier, but uh, w- when I said eight, I think it's eight grams a liter for the dosage. Okay. So the yellow label is ten, so the new one is ten grams a liter, but it's still just. So they don't release this every single vintage, no matter what. Or will no, there? Will there yeah, will, only in the good years. So so there's there's an eight. You said nine's eight, coming nine, out. Uh, I don't know. If there's. They should do a 10. ten. Ten was a stunning year. But that was Bordeaux. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean. I mean, I, as a general rule, I've studied a lot of European vintages for the last twenty years. I mean, eight, nine, ten, and eleven were really good, and then there was some hurdles. You know. So let me let me have James explain to people who are like listening. What's the reason for non-vintage champagne? Like, what makes a non-vintage champagne? Um. Oh, non-vintage champagne is just basically you can blend. So you got your year's harvest, and you can blend from your stock, your reserved wines. Are you doing it like a Solera system? Is it all blended together, or are they separate barrels? So is your or eight tanks nine, in this case? Is, yeah. is your eight, nine, just, ten yeah, all coming separate. together? They should be separate. Like okay, a, that's what I was curious. Racks, you know what I mean by Solera yeah. system, right? Spice yeah. racks. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Good, great reference. Blend. I, I like, the, like the spice that. Racks one. Yeah, yeah. He's got to come out again. He can yeah. put things in terms so, we understand. Uh, yeah, so a non-vintage, so by law, minimum 15 months, uh, aging. So, and if you, if it's a vintage, it's minimum three years. Okay. Yeah. So they take the, the non-vintage and they could take, uh, let's say we're in 2019. So they could be using 2016, 17 and 18 combined. Well, I guess not 18 cause yeah. it's not 15 months, but they could take 16, yeah. 17 and go, oh man, the Chardonnay from 17 was amazing. But the 16 Peter Noir was even better. That's going to be like our blend. Yeah, I mean, um, it all it also all all depends on the, the house style. So with uh, with Clicquot, they use about 35 percent uh, reserved wines just okay. to get the house style. Is that common? Is that like uh, for most? Uh, like if we were thinking Cristal and Dom is 35 percent high, lower, like kind of right in the um, middle. It's a, I feel like it's a little slightly higher. Okay. Uh, but it's all again. It all depends on the the Chateau and. Um, what their vision is and uh, how they're making it uh, with all the different maisons uh, in Champagne. All depends on their style. And they're, they're not trying to come up with a generic flavor profile of the vintage. The vintage is the vintage. Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be yeah. the flavor of that year, the, the vintage. The best expression of that year. 
So can yeah. I say if if they're making a vintage? So for instance, we're drinking the two thousand eight. What if uh, what's their law? Is it ninety five percent has to be vintage, or is it a hundred percent? Hundred percent. So what if yeah. they went? Oh my god, this is the best Pinot Noir we've ever had. I want one hundred percent of our Pinot in there. Would they just? It they, will that'd be, be vin- yeah. I mean, if it's okay. their vintage, yeah. that's that's the vintage. So what's be, crazy it, is that. Um, Love Clicquot is a Pinot Noir house. The, uh, that might be why I like this a little bit more. I, 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 I learned something. I learned the third thing new tonight. So the the, the Grand Dame. Pinot Noir driven. Yeah. It was, I didn't realize it was a Pinot Noir house. So um, the La Grand Dame is usually about 50-50 Pinot and Chard. There's no Meunier. I believe the, the new vintage coming out is going to be crazy. because It was like 95% Pinot Noir. See, yeah, And it's going to be just... Imagine that, like, once again, this guy's lighting yeah. up. If, dude, you, can, if you can I, see though, his face when he's talking about it. this, I fucking dude, he love got, it. He got so giggly. <laughs> That's the biggest grin I've seen it, all day. It, I just haven't tried it. I want to try it. The, the 95. It's, it's like a, a new a new father talking about his like kid in a way. Like, he's like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, having a baby boy. Yeah. He's not born yet, but he's coming. I love I got the crib. You know, I painted the room. I've got all my friends coming over. I pictures He just did the gender reveal party for us just now yeah, he's passing out cigars already before that baby's born i love it it's just amazing uh, champagne is amazing wine that's what it is yeah. i don't think people realize they, they lump it into one category and i'm i'm guilty of that and that's what i was saying earlier is the the fact that i call everything bubbles and i do that to for the general public because i show up to a party no, I, don't want, no. I don't want people to feel left out intimidated uneducated. uneducated like oh I brought champagne. I'm like, no, that's Prosecco. Yeah. Like, get out of here. It, it <laughs> also doesn't help that you can go to a store and get an Andres or a Cook's that are three for five bucks. And the visual aspect of it is that that champagne, it's not, it's not, obviously it's not, but in people's yeah. minds, the average consumer, they're like, oh, well, everything it's is champagne. champagne. Oh, yeah, no. everything is champagne. That's a good way to put it. Everything is champagne as long as there's bubbles in it. Yeah. And I think that might take a couple generations worth of people to be like, no, no, no. This is champagne, yeah. this is Prosecco, this is sparkling. I think the younger generation gets it. I think it was the older generation because the word champagne wasn't outlawed. So California producers could make champagne. Uh, and me too. I actually broke this law. Sorry. Uh, Jonathan Coppins and his Coppins whatever And he by makes, breaking the law, can I'll, make... I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. Finish it Awesome. Out. He's going to go to jail after this episode. <laughs> I'm going to go winemaker. Is there a cash reward? <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm 50, 50, 50, 50. himself. Done. Nope. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Deal. No, no, I, I will split this with you. I, I, this is a fun history <laughs> thing. This is, this, is my, this is my winemaker geeky well, it's, aspect it's of grandfathered this. grandfathered in though, right? Yeah, yeah, I got grandfathered in. Yeah. So in 1919, when the Treaty of Versailles was signed after yeah. the Armistice World War Time, uh, World War One, we didn't ratify that treaty. And in that treaty was France and I believe Italy saying, hey, don't say Burgundy, Champagne, you yep. know, Chablis, Bordeaux, or Amarone style, things like that, or Chianti. And America went, meh, we're just kind of going to ignore that for a long time because we were in prohibition. We were in prohibition, right. so therefore there's no reason to enforce liquor laws. It didn't exist. And it wasn't until about 2000, I think it was six. When finally the EU was like, okay, stop doing it. And the USA went, fine. Well, nobody can move forward saying champagne, port, Chianti, Bordeaux. But our labels were made in 2005. So technically, we got grandfathered in. Now, we're not allowed to sell ourselves. And out of respect, like this is more of a respect thing than it is. We don't say champagne more. But we do have a Champagne Rouge label that if we want to, we could use. We don't. We're not going to do that because it's kind of mean. But there is, I, I think I've only seen maybe... 
two. I think I've seen two people from California in the last year that still say champagne I've on their one. Yeah. The, the funny one is, and I think it's kind of honestly like an F you, is Miller High Life still says a champagne and beer. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. It's well, the I only one where they went, you know what? No. Nope. Just released the bottle. It's, yeah. They had a champagne bottle. Yeah, they did. It yeah. just came just out recently. It, yeah. They literally have a champagne bottle. I will not spend the $3 it costs for that damn beer, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will because that'd be fun party trip. Yeah, right? it was it was port champagne, burgundy, Bordeaux. A lot of was the, the, like the, the the jug burgundies that were like on the bottom shelf at a grocery yeah. store. Colorossi, like, Colorossi, everybody. Yeah, Colorossi. By the way, those guys are laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, or but, the mafia they have to well, pay just off. Like, I'm not really sure. Which just like one. all these other big companies, though, the money they made from that has afforded them the ability to make some high end, beautiful bottles of wine. Yeah, they true. do. They they own some properties that are unbelievable. They own some other wineries that are unbelievable. I get it, but champagne should be reserved to champagne. Port should be reserved to port. Yeah. Burgundy and Bordeaux need to be reserved to Burgundy and Bordeaux. If I'm saying I'm drinking Burgundy and it's Carlos and Rossi out of a jug, that's not. There's something wrong with they that. They do have a like, Burgundy. They so, do. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's that's what killed that for Burgundy years. Style. I mean. So when did? What was I guess Vov's first vintage champagne? Like when they finally decided, hey, like all right, this it is was, so good, uh, we're gonna do this. 18, 1810. Okay. What's the oldest bottle at the winery? That I don't it's know. gotta have I know so much the, mold they, they found, and life and fungus. They found some with the Baltic Sea. Yeah. All right. But I forget like how old it. It's it's always curious to find yeah. what the oldest bottle still is hanging around. That? It. They yeah. keep finding shipwrecks with champagne. Did they found the one off Russia? This was like three years ago. They found the one off top of Russia, just above Norway. It was meant for like uh, one of the czars, and they yeah. had a bunch of like seventeen hundred champagnes on it. I'll have to get my hands on some of those. Right. For the $80,000 it'll be at a Las Vegas hotel, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I've had a Riesling from the 20s, and I had a port from the 1800s, and that was the oldest wines I've ever had. Wow. You were there for the port night, weren't you? No. Oh, yeah. It was a- The oldest wine I ever had, I got really lucky. I had a Riesling, and it's always, for some reason, I had a 1912 Riesling. Acid. Dude, I was so it wasn't it wasn't that it was bad. It was cool. It was mostly, hey, this wine was growing in a vineyard when the Titanic sank. And I yeah. thought that was really cool because sometimes there are certain wines, they're not bad. They're right. just, you know, if you tasted it straight up, you're like, oh, I don't really like it. But all of a sudden somebody says, yeah, man, that was made 60 years ago. And you're like, wow, dude, my grandparents were like 18 when this wine was made. And all of a sudden that wine becomes really cool to you because now it's it's this cool memory in your head. Yeah. Like, man, my parents were bad, like this age or they were twinkling my grandparents' eye when, you know, this champagne came out. So... You know, what are we at? This, the eight. So this is 11 years. That's how that's done. If you took a 2008 right now and 60 years later had that, your grandchildren would be like, what were you doing at this time? I was like, dude, I was having a podcast with people that I absolutely love <laughs> having yeah. a drink. And that there was is, my And thing. you know what? There is no global producer releasing bubbles 10 years late. That's a good point. You don't see that there, in California. There's no California producer going, here, here's my, here's my bubbles 10 right. years late. You know, they're, they're cringing if someone's drinking their 10 year old bottle of bubbles. I bet Rotterers might be the only one. There, there's, Maybe. Some, there's, there's people. Maybe. Well, Tom th- has a, things are changing. P2. Have you seen that? What is the P2? It's the, I've seen this, the plentitude, the, the P is like plentitude. It's like different plateaus of aging. So every year when Dom releases a vintage, they pull, uh, a lot out that they think that they can age a little bit further. So that would be like Dom current vintage would be P1, Dom at perfect, Dom Perignon at perfect harmony. Okay. And then the next plateau, which is like that vintage that they pulled out, they're going to age it for about uh, 15 years. 
and it's just like Dom Perignon high definition. So, the so it's like we don't like, like it right now ish, but we think no, in fifteen years it's going to be don't amazing. Th- I mean, this is amazing, but I think it has potential to to go a little bit longer. So it's a long term investment. Yeah. So current P two is uh, vintage two thousand. Very cool. Insane. Wow. It is just bright, crisp. There's a little tension. So if you bought yeah. a 2000 Dom, it's not the same as P2. Different. Yeah. It, the aging is different. It's crazy. Like, how do you figure that out? Yeah. That's part of like... God, that's that's yeah. that chemistry. That's fine. Just it's tasting like and yeah. So now when they make that... There's a P3 as well, which I... Which will... We'll, we'll, that's like, we'll get to that Rolls Royce eventually. <laughs> so <laughs> when they take these wines and they're making them that long into the future are they already in a champagne bottle they are. racked riddled and ready to go no or are they still in a tank that needed to be blend and needed to be dosaged and built it's still aging on the lees oh so they they just they put yeah. these into a corner and 20 years later went now they're ready to rock and roll and it's yeah and it's um how they age it is not on um the side it's on the neck so it's straight the, the, up or well yeah, i guess straight down. down yeah there's a then you get the collection of leaves right by the the neck, the opening, so it lets less air in, so yeah. it ages slower. And I think one day I, I will post a video showing how a dosage and disgorgement works because I've so I I do my sparkling wine by forced carbonation, and the only reason is because I don't have the ability to do the time effort and everything for a true ship like, in yeah, three years. Yeah. You should hold back like 12 bottles and like uh, age it that James, way. James, I'm not knocking AZ wine, but uh, I don't think we have the ability to have wine make it that long just yet. We'll get there maybe. We don't have the acidity. We don't have the cold oh, weather. Right. We'd have right, to put right. grapes up on like the base of Flagstaff. He nailed it right there. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, that's true. Yeah, so for like for, for me to make a sparkling wine, it has to be for, forced carbonate because I want people to drink a fresh wine now. Aging wise, the acidity is not there in a state like Arizona just because you don't have those swings. You can get away with it in California. Oregon probably is better. I think one day America will find the right air. It's going to be weird and obscure like a Montana or one of those northern states. Probably the Finger Lakes even maybe. But Champagne's cold weather keeps that acidity so high and so bright and fresh that you can get away with doing that for You know if you draw a line from Champagne on the the, the globe? Hold on. I want to take a guess. I want to take a guess. The latitude. It's gonna be up north. I, I'm going with Juneau, Alaska. It's gonna be up high. Like I'm, I, I think or Vancouver. M- Vancouver. Mentally, probably. I think I think Oregon, but it's got to be uh, like Vancouver. BC. So I'm thinking, You're right? It's Vancouver. Yes, because <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, it's high, man. That is a cold, cold. area. It, it rains 200 about 200 days out of the year in Champagne. So really? if you're gonna go visit Champagne, just expect a little rain. What's the What's the best time? All right. So if I'm a tourist and I'm listening to this, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta go to Champagne. What would you recommend? Uh, What's I mean, the year to go or time to go? Do you go harvest season, pre-harvest season, summer? I would say, well, I mean, well, something like Vov's got to have a, a, a during harvest. It, it was look, a to, building to that's open yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to enjoy yeah, yeah. the sunshine. Let me rephrase that: to enjoy sunshine weather and not Seattle-based. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a small winery that's so limited in their. Like they probably have a full tasting room, a, yeah, ca- a castle, I mean, summer. Or, Summer would be good. I mean, during harvest, it's a little busier. It might, it might be a little hard to get an appointment. Um, Are they appointment only, or no. can you walk in? Uh, at Clicko, actually, I don't know because, uh, well, Krug and Runar, yeah, because uh, when we when I went, we tried to get appointments, and they were so booked that, I mean, if you want to go to Krug, it has to be a, a, at least 
six months out, probably. Yeah, I'm I thinking, mean, oh, I'm like thinking three globe, to four. If you're looking at globally, like three months out. Yeah, we're not. This isn't an Arizona thing. Like this is globally. This is a big freaking deal. Yeah. Like there's there's people from all over the it's globe. Yeah. Go to Champagne. Well, like to Krug though, it's like at least three months, and there's Japanese, and there, there's there's, there's Japanese, there's yeah. Japanese businessmen, yeah. there there's a, a, a British French, importors, yeah. there's American people. documentary yeah. people, sommeliers trying to there's go for the master psalms. There are people from all over the globe trying to get in there, and like a random person from like upstate New York might be like, "Hey, I'm coming in there with my cousin Sal." Does this taste <laughs> like? Uh, I like Rombauer. Is this similar to that? I mean, hey, we're going to drink some bubbles. <laughs> like I get it. Like, Listen, that's I had gotta the be... fanciest Corbell down I, uh, the street. Yeah, so, I've had so, so, limited mimosas in my life. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do they make? Oh, we haven't even talked. Do they about make this? mimosas at the winery? <laughs> I, want, no, I can't no, wait. Yeah. I want to hang Sorry. with you one day <laughs> and watch somebody make a mimosa out of expensive wine and just see how your face. Dude, just I cringe. Goes, it happened at Atlas. Todd came out one time at Atlas Bistro. And a guy's like. A, a lady's mixing, like making mimosas or something with some high end champagne. Todd just comes out. He's like, dude, save me. He's like, he's like, he's like, can you distract her? And I'll switch the bottles out. I, I did it with, uh, with James, like a couple of years back when Maya first opened. And I think it was actually Lindsay's wow. account thing. Maya. Yeah, Maya. Yeah. Maya Day and Night Club is a pool uh, DJ club thing. And this girl walked by and she grabbed the, the, it was, it was a, uh, Pretty sure it was Vav. And she poured it in a glass and just doused it with OJ. And I remember Lindsay looked at her with this, like, I'm going to kill this person. Like, what are you doing? Like, just drink that by it yeah. is. There's cheap crap, like, elsewhere. Like, don't. I will what give, are you doing? I, I will <laughs> give you a bottle of Prosecco. Give me that bottle. Like, yeah. so, put that down, please. Yeah, please. That's, that's a fun thing about wine industry people is they can appreciate the look of, like, oh, my God, the time, effort, well, and everything. Well, it's a, the thing is, like, as long as if they ordered it, they can do whatever I'm, they want. Totally. With it. Sure, once you I buy it, man. With a, like a totally. high-end scotch. They can put Coke in there. Don't care. As long as you ordered it. That, well, I wanna, I wanna that's a, that that's a salesman. Yeah. <laughs> that's a difference between a I salesman mean, and a producer. If you ordered it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How, how should I drink this? Yes. You ordered yeah. it. My, my heart <laughs> you, soul you paid broke for it? a hair just a little bit there because I, I get it. Like, it's the, the truth of that. I know, but I still cringe. I still cringe. I'm so, like, ugh. So, so I got I to ask now, you. I'm going to do it, but thanks for drinking drink, my Drink wine. a demi-sec. How about that? Yeah. So, so people ask me all the time, Damon, how'd you get in the wine business? And I always, I look at them with this question because I went to school for something completely different than wine. How did you get in the wine business? Um, I went to ASU. <laughs> well, that's how you got in the liquor business. That's how you got in the drinking yeah. business. Um, <laughs> I graduated ASU with art degree. You, you, oh, that's definitely yeah. how you awesome. got in the liquor business. You and I went to the same wine school. <laughs> awesome. The art of, uh, yeah. uh, I went to the ASU. Fine I, too, went yeah. to ASU for uh, arts degree. No, it went, I went to school for computer engineering. Oh, nice. And I enjoy... Was it software, hardware? I started out with software. I switched to hardware. And I decided that it wasn't for me. And life took me on a left turn, a right turn. I went over the hill and yeah. I ended up in the wine business. I was in retail and then a friend of mine applied for a distributor. He's like, oh, wow, we can be selling alcohol. And it was uh, for Gallo. Mm -hmm. So then I got off-premise, started off-premise. Off so if, um, if you're listening, you don't know, there's uh, in Arizona, it's a three-tier system. Supplier, distributor, retail. But off-premise and on-premise is something that most people have no clue, yeah, but we so just talk about it. On-premise is restaurants, resorts, bars, 
clubs. You literally drink the wine, beer, yeah. booze on site. You drink site. the alcohol on site. Yep. Off premise is more like a fries. You're going to take it home. You take, yeah, uh, a retail shop. You're not going to drink it on premise. You're going to drink yeah, you that cannot. You legally cannot drink it on property. Do you have any certifications? I have a WSET Spirits 2. Where did, um, that, where did that take to get? Like studying or yeah, no, yeah. that's a good question because most oh, people yeah. No, like I mean, it's yeah, I have my W set from 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 a from a layman's the view w of it. What is, is like, a, what is a W set? Uh, Wine Spirits Education Trust. Uh, I mean, there's that and there's the 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 SOM. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so SOM seems more service based. W sets more yeah, more within the industry based. Right, like they have a spirits one and like a wine and spirits one. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this year I'm gonna go for the the W set two wine and spirits. Awesome. Oh, I'll help you with that one. That one's because I'm going for my three oh, shortly, nice. which nice. we'll get around to. Yeah, let's. Uh, it's good to know. It gives you a broad spectrum of together. yeah. There's like two or three or four different uh, schools of right. spirit and wine study. There's the the W the, set the song. Society of Wine Educators. Two or three levels. Yeah. CSW CSW is uh, specialist of wine. Yeah. It means that I could talk about wine. I'm not just going to be able to tell you what's in the glass, but I could tell you about the regions of Burgundy and this. Wine certified yeah. certified wine educators, they're higher level. Right. That's more what's in the glass, yeah, more teach. about trellising, more about teaching. The the Court of Master Sommeliers yeah. is, is more geared towards the restaurant business. Right. It's geared towards what's in the glass, yeah. service, theory, you have to. There's a lot that goes into the side of a lot. Or to the to you getting to a song. spirits as well. Yes. Yeah. And then W set in that group is a whole different thing. Yeah. There's one, two, three, and then diploma. Diploma so is like there's four levels of yeah, that. The, the diploma is the last one. And what's the the, the diploma takes? What's the MW? That's uh, the a, diploma. That's the oh, so an MW is that that MW is Master of Wine. That so is so there's three major. Oh, so you're thinking there's three major schools: the Society of Wine Educators. The the Sommelier. court of master sommeliers and then the W set program, right. yeah. Like those are the three major. Yeah, those groups. are the three major ones. I'm I'm with yeah. James on this one with the W set. Like I I I personally went W set route because I like the idea of knowing you know this is why grapes wines and things taste this way and how spirits are made. It's more of the um, technical. Yeah, technical mm -hmm. is a great way to well, put that's it. Same way as the the, the, the court. Yes. Yeah. Well, because the, the psalm is more. Uh, there's a lot of service-based things. The, the in court's the, the court's more about service, right? Where society of wine educators is more for salesmen. Right. It's more about the knowledge side of it. Yeah. That's our thing. So I decided that I wanted to go more educational side and not so court side. So I went to level two and I stopped. I was not going to advance or master song. Well, with your work, you're going to get no. constant education. Constant. True. And I'm not looking to work in a resort. Right. I'm not looking to work at a hotel. Right. I'm not looking to be a run a floor program, write a wine list. Right. I'm looking to talk about wine. And I want to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or at least not. I want to be smart enough that I can bullshit somebody that if <laughs> I know more than them. Yeah. It's kind of the nice thing about our industry is, you know, you can kind of go into it not 
not knowing anything, but at least you get to come out going, wow, I learned so much by doing so much. I uh, like for me. You appreciate a lot more uh, when you're drinking. Absolutely. Tasting. You definitely (laughs) learn, especially when you're around people like yourself who can sit there. You know champagne. You can say, listen, this is why they do this. This is why they taste this way. And somebody from my side could be like, oh, I taste that. I get it. I see where they were going with this. I make it from a technical aspect of why we macerated this long and this and this. And it's, you know, a certain style and difference of opinion things but once you have all three people sitting around a table going okay here's you know from my spot i macerate this long it'll be like this and you can be like oh yeah i could taste this flavor in this i could see why you made it that long and then you got like a salesman like damien over here going i'm gonna make this the best damn thing ever out there i just want to talk about the 08 yeah i'm serious i want to go back to the 08 like five times it's, i've tried but let's go down, back to the 08. it's funny that it took this long <laughs> but that's been the number one glass i've been drinking for the last like five minutes it's the it's, best one out here it's it, if you're gonna if you're going to judge all the rest of the champagnes right. I think Yellow Label is the benchmark for all the rest of them. Right. If you can beat this, awesome. If you can come close to this, well, awesome. But yeah. this is this is this is this is what you're striving to achieve. And that's why they're at the top. Stylistically, uh, if you want something more with toasted notes, I would just like steer you towards Clicquot. Uh, but if you want something more, you know, like a fresh, fresher tasting. Uh, Moet, they use uh, younger reserved wines, so you get less of the brioche. You get a lot of fruit, citrus. How many wines does Moet make? Uh, per year. Oh, you mean for the blends? Or? Just in general, like general public. I'm, a lot of times I'm talking about... Oh, uh, they, they, they do Because we, we, we know if you go to the winery, if you go to a special tasting in yeah. New York, there's things they have under the table. There's right. things... So if, they, if I was to go... Ask a, a a wine specialist. I want to know what moes you have available. What do, what's available for the general public? So you, you'll have your um, the Moet Imperial Brut, uh, the Imperial Rosé, not both non vintages. Then you do have the Moet Grand Vintages, which vintage Moet, the the the, the Nectar, uh, the Nectar Rosé, which is a higher dosage, uh, Moet Ice, which Drink with ice. Um, so like six or seven? Yeah. Eight. And then you have, yeah. And some extra shit they make at yeah, the winery yeah. that's, some once again, high-end stuff, yeah. Hey, if I was a winemaker, there's going to be something that's going to be under my table for my friends and my family. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Got, the, the people in Arizona, you get everything else. <laughs> yeah. Friends and family, I got something special. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> like, that's the way it should be. I mean, I don't, isn't, yeah. The, the Moet Imperial is just, it's one of my favorites. It's nice and fresh. The, the reserve wine that they use is like a one to three years, whereas this is like a six, nine, uh, sometimes. So were you a Burgundy fan then too, since you love champagne? Uh, yeah. Or more, Bo- I mean, or more Bordeaux? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> he sighed. Yeah. You notice he literally sounded like a, the air got let out of a tire right there, like he just hit a nail. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean yeah. He goes, <sighs> it's, I mean, uh, it's like if somebody asks you what's your favorite Italian wine, it's just like, you know, where hey, you're at, what I could have I could have three kids. I know which one is my favorite. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, might not, I might not admit it to my wife, right? but I know which one's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Should d- delete this part, right? <laughs> hey, how do you mute the button? Hey, yeah. looks over. Uh, note to self, yes. delete the last 10 seconds. <laughs> it's nice when, you know, you kind of get to work with a chance to work with such a cool, like, portfolio that you have, and you have such awesome 
champagnes to bring to the table. Like you do, you are lucky enough to have an opportunity where you'd be like, listen, I've got this portfolio and there is nothing anybody can look at and be like, that sucks. That's great. And then the rest are in between. It's just like, here's great champagne. Right. And here's the differences of these champagnes. Here's, exactly. you know, here's how this one's made. Here's how this one's been. Like, obviously, there's a preference of one you right. like the most. But that also might change. Dude, they might release a 2010 four years from now and be like, oh, guys, I found it. I found my holy grail. And it's the 2010 Vuv. And it's the best one I think I've ever had in the whole thing. Wine to me is music. It really is. Just th- this is my favorite song this year. Next year, there might be another song that comes out. But you know what? But you yeah. always like the band. When, when I <laughs> yeah. True. Wine is very special because it can always bring you back to the moment when you tried it for the first time. Yeah, and it's funny, cause especially with champagne, too, because the champagne could be one of those things where most people I, unfor- have the unfortunate chance to start off with something where, like, and, and this is this is definitely just a me thing, but, like, when the first champagne I think I ever had, and it was a sparkling wine, I think it was, like, Andres or Cooks, it was, like, in high school, and they popped out, and then, ah, that kind of sucks, or it was sweet or whatever, and then once you get introduced to a real champagne, you're like, oh, my God, it's great, and I was super fortunate enough that when I was over in Europe, like, I played basketball for a little bit, I had somebody pour me You did not play basketball. I absolutely You're did. four foot two. Are you Dude, we haven't had this discussion. I'm 100%. All right, I'm going right. to bust Steph out my Cur- pictures. Right. First, I was introduced to Chris Stahl at that time, and I went, oh, my God, this is one of the best-tasting things I've ever had in my entire life, and ever since then, I was like, all right, this is... This is what I want to drink. And by the way, I'm bringing, I'll bring the pictures. I'll find them. And no, I'm going to show I'm you and my super ridiculous, terrible inability to dunk on anybody. I think but, that yeah. the biggest problem Americans have generally is that they don't know. They don't have a clue about champagne. Collectors know Cabernet. Collectors will age Cabernet. They know Cabernet. They drink champagne as a something to start the night with. They don't look at it as something to break down or to spend the night talking about. And unfortunately, we don't do wine dinners. You don't do second course, third course, fourth course. You don't have your main course with champagne. <laughs> Not yet. We're definitely taking no, I have, yeah. I've yeah, had a few. You've dinner, done yeah. it. But yeah, we've this is one of the greatest wines in the world, and it's skipped over for the main course. You do this as a an introductory. This this is this is part hey, everybody, A. Everybody, welcome to the party. I hate it. Right. It, and yeah. it, it it really is does this a disservice. So how do we get the rest of the world excited about champagne now? And without being Prosecco, without being um, Cava, without yeah, what being... Do you, what do you like to do? What, what makes you Education. Happy? Do you like, do yeah, you that's like what to... I do. I do a lot of staff trainings. And, uh, yeah. So... Do you prefer dinners, staff training? Like, what, um, like if you had an opportunity to be like, man, how could I teach people better? I would love to do dinners or staff training. Like, what's I wouldn't good? Go, I wouldn't go on John and oh. Damien's podcast. That's probably yeah. the worst way to promote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, din- uh, dinners is great because they're there. They can start tasting the wines and having food, and like, oh wow, I never knew that champagne was a wine. They think it's just like something. A, a different category. The acid, I yeah. guess, too. You could showcase like what acid works with food. Yeah, and uh, you know, once they have the champagne with food, like I do, like the yellow label with a nice juicy hamburger, uh, the rosé, and you like. Have you ever done a like, months, like a, a, a Dom Perignon rosé with lamb? Best thing in the world. I would <laughs> love for a Vuv Clicquot and Chipotle tasting. Oh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> probably delicious. One of the things we do is uh, birds and bubbles. Birds and bubbles. What's birds and bubbles? Champagne and fried chicken. 
Oh awesome. my gosh, I said this like three episodes Savory ago. Savory like, and deep fried yeah. chicken and champagne. Some French fries well. with so, Runar. Oh my god. Oh, you are yeah. speaking my language, sir. You know, George from Fraser's is opening up a fried chicken place. Yeah. So there's something there you, you do like a combination event, like a fried chicken. Is it Kentucky dinner. hot chicken or Tennessee hot chicken? Yeah, he's doing a uh, well, he's doing a Louis hot chicken. Hot chicken. Hot chicken. Ooh, that might throw it off a little bit. But it's like yeah, really but standard. Regular or fried, fried chicken. chicken. Totally uh, get it. Pizza with rosé. Crazy. I would. I think this might be something that Champagne we'll do. We, we've joked about and not joking what we're going to do is like dinners for like listeners and and I think a good champagne one to show hey guys listen like we can go crazy on the board with this like we're going to have a pizza we're going to have like a prosciutto maybe we do something really weird like a deep fried chicken and waffles kind of a combination yeah. at a nice restaurant and show how awesome like versatile the versatility of champagne is amazing well, it's the acid that people don't realize it's that it's so yeah. and, and it's one of the reasons I push Riesling all the time Dude, like I'm a, I'm a Riesling junkie yeah. But like the Rieslings, they're so high in acid that they pair so good with food. Yeah. Honestly, it'd be so awesome to do like some cool ass like Vov dinner with Thai food. Ooh. Like a full Thai dinner. Oh. As long as it wasn't crazy spicy. Yeah. No, Couldn't because it's semi sec. Yeah. You know what? A little bit of sweetness in there. There's a varying level of sweetness that happens in all of champagnes. So if. The person is pairing them correctly. You could do the dinner very, very well. Correct. Yeah, you're it, right. It's all about the chef working with the person pairing it. Yes. But I think that that'd be a great pairing. Doing like that sounds like a stretch. Or just do like, no way. Yellow label, like I'm all about and rosé all dinner. Just keep pouring. I'm with that. You can't go wrong with that. True. You could pretty much pour all three of these wines with every course. Yes. I would not be upset. The 08 vintage. Can we talk about the 08? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I think I, t- I touched on it earlier. So I've been trying um, all night long. Uh, they use... It's the number one bottle we went through. It yeah. got that good at the end. It's crazy. All right. Um, I would so, say for, for final thoughts on these things is how good have they been held up with, you know, how time. you were saying two to three years. Yeah. yeah but the time-wise... Like sitting here drinking this really old champagne, dude, this thing still has a lot of life to it, but the flavor is so vastly different than the one that you brought, the with, new, yeah, new one. Yeah, with the new one, it's obviously the, how they bottled it and how they made it as a house style and how you how uh, the Maison want you to taste it. But with the older one, it shows you you know how long it holds up, how, how well champagne ages. Um, you know, you get your, there's a little more oxidative notes to it, uh, caramel, more brioche to the older one. Whereas if you made it properly with the 2008, it's perfectly balanced. There's great acid. Do, do it you is amazing fruit. how different it is considering, let's pretend that this is actually a 98 from the 08 to right. what I imagine was uh, 15 or 16. Let's say if that was a right. new label vintage. This 08 seems like the youngest of all the wines, yeah. like the, the nicest. Dude, even the color-wise, it's not the same as the yellow label. The 08 is hitting a stride that's amazing right now. It's what are fucking we, an stunning. Hour later? It's like, amazing. Right. It it's really is. Absolutely it's absolutely amazing. I, I kept wanting to go back to it because I, I don't want it to be uh, left behind because it's such a special wine. Like 
both yellow labels are very great. There's something special about both yellow labels. It's cool to try an older version versus a newer version. It's crazy that I made it. However, (laughs) there's something amazing about that 08. Like the tightness of the bubbles, the complexity of it, the depth of that wine. It could be that uh, extra, you know, 5% barrel aged that they use in there. It's It's just crazy. It's also 10 years old. Like that too. And it's still fresh. Yeah. It's it's so oh, fresh. It's so, as if it was made the other day fresh. You might, can you imagine drinking like a Chardonnay? He nailed old? it. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. We've be, been in the salesman yeah. business. I like how you. Yeah. When when I'm, we're, I'm looking at you, go like, wait, what are you talking about? And you both looked at each other like, like we. Like, he knows where old. I'm about to go. It's a little old because because in the salesman business, you're like, oh, let's get rid of the 06 Chardonnay because it's kind of old. Like, Dude, if you had an 08 Chard right now, you'd be like, damn, how I can't sell this stuff right now. But if it's champagne, yeah, it, it's Ooh. we're always trying, to, especially white wines. We're always trying to move on to the next vintage. Right. You have to move through the previous one, and often you will blow out a previous one to get on to the next one. Something like this, there is no blowing out anything. It's, yeah. This is... People will it, ask for uh, specific vintages as well as yeah, older the better or... Something along the lines of like an 08 that is released 10 years late. This one has not yet even hit its stride to me. It could go... I think this wine in five years will hit its stride. Ten years will hit its stride. If you're a collector, you lay this wine down. You want to drink this wine So from a collector standpoint, if you gave me this right now, obviously I can break this out any day. Clearly, the... How do I pronounce this? Chef de Cave? Yeah. Yes. Got one right. Is uh, he knew, oh, this is it. It's going to... I think I imagine in his mind, he's like, it's heading up the hill and it's about to see the peak. Like, this is where it's going to be good. But... It's also, once you get to the peak, the plateau is going to go forever in a day. And it's not that it's going to get bad. It's just going to develop unique flavors. Like we've had one. I guarantee you've had one where you drank and you went, wow, that is awful because it fell off a cliff. Right. It literally is garbage at that point. We just drank a non-vintage yellow label, and it's definitely not clearly what they intended, but it's so drinkable. It's a drinkable wine. Like, Dude, it's 20 years past the point that they're saying that to drink it, and it's still got bubbles to it. The acidity is still there. It's still fresh. The taste is definitely very different, but it's still there. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to tell me you have a better version of this with a vintage, (laughs) and like not just a better version, but it's going from like, oh, I've got this awesome Audi and Mercedes to, oh, hey, I bought a Lamborghini the other day. (laughs) And that's where we're at with this 08. I think the 08, clearly, they're doing things right with vintage champagne that can just make it forever. On the same lines, I imagine, as what a real old Riesling can do. That acidity will hold everything together and give you the ability to. If you were lucky enough, you had a cool dad, here's a here's a birthday wine, and it's 20 years old. Dude, you could be 80 years old, and that, that champagne Wait, is still drinkable To non-wine people, there's dry Rieslings, and not just... Rieslings yeah. are not 100% sweet. True. And, and a lot a, of people don't know that. We're not talking that. Chateau Saint-Michel. But that's a big thing. We're talking champ. about awesome German. That's yes. a huge thing. Sh- a lot of people don't know that. That's a huge I'm going to have you cha- for that one, too. That's a huge thing with champagne, though. Somebody shows up. They show up to a wine shop, and they see this. And they see this for twice the price? Uh, no. 30? Wait, hold on. It, yeah, it, maybe. If this is 50, this might be 90 or yeah, 100? Uh, 80, 90, I think. Yeah, I think. give or take. We're yeah. Every place in the country is different, yeah. so we're just yeah. generalizing. Yeah, generalizing in this country. Yeah. yeah, it's a $20 to $30 swing probably. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's going to be in New York yeah. and Las yeah. Vegas. At Las Vegas, that's a $2,000 bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on, yeah, correct. Where where it's at, the club, the restaurant, Is it a restaurant the, the retail. Ev- yeah. Everybody sells something for a different price. John's house, free. Free 99 <laughs> is the best way to go. Dude, I, I've, after drinking these, my, especially with the last little tastings I have left, the old one that I had is cool because it just gives you an idea of how something can age, even though you expect it to kind of fall apart young, right. but it still made it. Obviously, the new one is awesome, dude. It's so fresh. It's so much to it. It's lively. It's bubbly. Like, it's just a, it's a fun drinking champagne. And then the 08, I got super geeky about. That's the yeah. one I, I let sit here and I tasted it. I tasted it the second it was out of the bottle. I let it sit by itself for 10 minutes and I drank it. I poured more into the old one and drank, like I went chemistry like, what am I going to put in this? Stuff? How am I going to have it now? What am I going to put? Like, do I pour it hard? Do I pour it soft? Like, dude, <laughs> it was a good, the 08 was amazing. So, James, have you ever tried an old yellow label versus a new yellow label at the same tasting? Um, no, not like this. Usually it's, uh, we compare vintages. And then the rosés. So you got to actually try a real old one yeah. versus awesome. Because yes. usually they know. Awesome. What, usually they know what the vintage. Yeah, yeah. Like when you when you're at the winery, they're gonna actually say, "Hey, this is a yeah. this vintage." Yeah, I like it. Now he gets to go back to him, but be like, guys, listen, I had a twenty something year old. Vote it held up. Yeah. So what were your thoughts on the the lineup? I, uh, the, my thoughts were, cause I know these two, but the old one, I was very very surprised how um, how it held up and how the acidity was still there. Um, and the color, I thought, honestly, I thought it was going to be a little bit darker, but whoever had this previous stored it correctly Very and well. the wine champagne held up. It held up. Yeah. It's bubblier than I thought it would be too. Yeah. I mean, I, it, when I, when it got poured it, at first, I was like, it's a little kind of dark. I was like, oh, we'll see. Stunning. Yeah. I mean, great wine. Yeah. Whoever the, is, has it been, and this is. Kind of going on. Is this been the same, uh, the same guy? Uh, Shatikov? Yeah. Um, for the last, let's say, uh, 30 he's years. the fifth one. Uh, is Dominique. How many uh, have you had? Five. All right. I believe. That's pretty awesome. Cool. I love it, man. Yeah. Damien, final thoughts on the wine? Final yeah. thoughts. All right. Uh, current vintage of Yellow Label, fantastic. It's bright, great acid, goes with everything. Older vintage, I would seriously hold this wine. I have no problems holding current vintage for... 20 to 30 years based on what I tasted today, not based on winery recommendations. Because if this one was 20 years old, it still has a bit of life. Still had bubbles, still had acid, still had... It took on more nutty characteristics, took on a yeah, little more complexity. Old, I think you nailed the yeah. oxidized flavors. Honestly, end of the day, give me 08 and I'm going to be happy. That 08 was stunning. That thing, every time you guys were talking, I was like, let's talk about the 08. Let's yeah. talk about the 08. Let's drink some more. Yeah, Why don't you bring one bottle? Yeah. Cause, cause, <laughs> don't it, worry, it, man. There's another year and another bottle. But <laughs> it, it right. was bright. The bubbles were so complex. And I, it's so weird, but the bubbles were so integrated into the wine, it made me want to think more about it. For me, it's all about acid with white wines, and the acid on these are awesome. What are your yeah. thoughts? My final thoughts were uh, the old Vav is in its own weird character, unique. It's definitely nothing like the new one. Like clearly, you know, your new yellow label is definitely going for that bright acidity, new fresh flavors. And then you try this and you went, wow, it's still all there, 
but faded. It's it's yeah. that oxidized flavors, but the acidity is still there. The thing that ruined it was I drank an 08. <laughs> you yeah. drank the 08, Sorry. and all of a sudden, it's like it's like the freshest perfume that ever came out of a glass, and it's just so complex, yeah. and it's so tasty, and I sat here just sipping on this thing, like, and each time, just my mind went into a different place. I, if I yeah. drank this old Vuv from the beginning of this podcast to now, not much changed. Not much. You know, it was all there, but it still tastes the same. The yellow label today vintage was good. It was still bright, still nice and easy to drink. It changed a little bit on the nose, but that 08 from start to finish had so many different characteristics, so many different flavors, and the nose kept changing and evolving. Yeah, sorry to keep going back to us. Yeah. Like, dude, I want to talk about this. No, dude, yeah, I mean, that is such that's a why good I those champagne. Um, dude, I'm glad you did, by the way. I, yeah, so. the, I, like, I, I wasn't expecting that, and that's awesome you brought that because yeah. that was a great comparison. It's just because like one. current vintage or current no, um, production non vintage. And what it should taste like, the old bottle should taste like, as well as the 08 when it's made properly to, you know, cellar and age a little bit longer and what it could be. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, I would say for collectors and people who love to sit on things, the 08 or any vintage right. uh, of at this point, is clearly they're nailing Insane. something well. And if you want to drink just a good, hey guys, I'm having a party, it's New Year's, it's my birthday, uh, I'm just saying, uh, gentlemen... Thank, or not Thanksgiving. I was gonna say Thanksgiving. Wow, that's terrible. Valentine's Day is coming there up shortly. Go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Just saying, maybe a lady uh, might like a little love. All right, so and James, that's the best way to do it. What are your thoughts? Um, my final thoughts would definitely be the. Uh, I'm very surprised with how well the non-vintage held up, and another thing is maybe rosé next time. We can do yeah. that. Definitely do some rosé. Maybe yeah. a spectrum. Of certain, br- uh, I have a couple roses that can. Cool, I love pour it. Out. Well, dude, I thank you so much for coming. Yeah, on man, this. dude, no, we, thank we, you for the invite. Thank you. Yeah, we definitely like, want to bring you dude, back, and we're we're we, definitely gonna have some fun drinking some. Dude, champagne. this was two hours. Oh, dang! Yeah. <laughs> this is what work. happens. Totally right. Oh no, thank you, thank you guys so much for the, the invite. You yeah. guys are. Yeah, and uh, to anybody out there listening now, do you have anything coming up in the next like month? Now we have Bear Jackson. I think where where uh, can people go and find you and see you and come meet you? Any tastings, anything like that? I know you said something. Uh, not El specifically, like yeah, well, El Choro. They're they're doing a if you're getting married, they're doing a an I do event January twelfth. It's January twelfth I do event in El Choro. Yep, a uh, ton of uh, uh, a lot of wedding vendors there. You can see the property, a great property for a wedding to have your wedding. Um, definitely scope out, scout out the location. And they get a chance to come by and take a little sample of your wines. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing Chandon Rosé there, I believe. Awesome. Um, also, at Kai, they're doing a, a Runar for Valentine's Day. That's awesome. There you go. Yeah, that's going to be so crazy. So there you go, guys. Look at Kai, do a Runar tasting. And uh, we'll have James on later again, and uh, we'll try some new stuff. So real All quick, right. uh, James Chow from Portfolio. He's a portfolio specialist of a strategic group. Um Represent the Mullet Hennessy portfolio. Mullet yeah. Hennessy, and it was so awesome having her on the show. Yeah, man. Really Thanks, awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank you. you coming on. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks. Yeah. Love yeah. you guys. Cheers. Bye.